Hello, and welcome to Gaming Fix, episode 194. I am your host today, Pat, uh, and I am, um, let's see, not your partners, because that's an Andre thing, but I am your, you, the listeners, favorite entire website that one could download. Uh, and I think that answer probably, I guess, is twitch.tv, as sad as that makes me to say. Uh, joining me this week is Alex. I've downloaded Twitch TV within the past week, so yeah. And Allison. Uh, uh, Alex is talking about Wikipedia, but I could go the other route and go with TV Tropes. There you go. TV Tropes is a more interesting download than Wikipedia, I feel, because Wikipedia is a useful, important, useful website and has a lot of good stuff on it, but like, you're getting everything there right like at least tv tropes everything's gonna probably be interesting (laughs) on some level where you you click a random trope and you go huh i that is a trope huh yeah exactly yeah but like wikipedia is like just the most uh largest amalgamation of human knowledge gathered over (laughs) yeah i mean it's probably a more a better important than tv tropes but 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 tv tropes is more fun yeah, I don't need. To, yeah. If you click on it, the odds of getting um, something boring if you click on a random Wikipedia article are pretty high. When you consider the entirety of human knowledge, most of what we know is pretty boring. Let's be honest. Whereas TV tropes, you know, it's like they're like it's pretty good average. Like, yeah, I mean, not every you click article on the is random tropes, you're most. like, oh, huh, yeah, that is that is a trope, and it goes like I just clicked on one, and it's a. Uh, like classical mythology of um basically the mythology of hospitality like in greek mythology yeah, and then they yeah. and then you then you get to something that's like anime bullshit next and yeah, then it's oh, yeah. next is smelly feet gag it's like oh see look three like wait, three banners classic. right in a row gag gag as in like it is a joke or gag as in they are gagging yeah as in a joke of like wow feet okay. smell real bad you know like in, if, like in kind of cartoon if you click on look, click on a random wikipedia link you might get like chair object all right let's see i'm gonna okay, go to wikipedia <laughs> well i mean it's gonna give you a and it's gonna surface a... the interesting stuff random article where is that random article? 1895 in italy well like that's interesting but <laughs> that's the point... next one uh, uh shonen knife the the band okay they're not gonna give random you article. the boring stuff though in the random article button list of trolley bus <laughs> systems in germany <laughs> Okay. 2019 uh, Northwestern Wildcats football team. There you go. That sounds like Old something Stevensburg, I don't care about. Stevensburg, Kentucky. <laughs> River um, Swale. Uh, Amanda Gorman. An American Dio poet Herkenrath, who is a Belgian racing cyclist in the 30s. Oh. Bogey. But it doesn't have any information. It's you just know what? I think we thing. should stop doing a podcast about video games and we should just... That's It actually is... A, Crazy that nobody has come up with this as a podcast idea. C thirty one H fifty two o four, which is number balsaminol B or seven beta metho. Oh god, it's a chemical. Why C F nine protein? Three S twenty three R twenty nine triol. There you go. That's most Wikipedia articles. And Florida Seafood aren't... Festival. I think that's uh, 
I'm not saying those aren't interesting to someone, but <laughs> it is wild that no one's made a podcast where you just click random article and, and then talk about it for an hour. Yeah. Or even like a half hour and you have to. And you have Whatever. to talk about the Florida <laughs> yeah. Seafood Festival. So you you click on one article and that is your topic for the next hour. Yeah. You learn as and much about it as you can. And if it happens to be something you're an expert on. chemical uh proteins or whatever you have to talk about that for the full half hour yeah i I would say maybe you could shoot you could do it ahead of time just like an honor rule and then that way if you pull something that is like truly not fit for podcasts i have read some articles on wikipedia about some like crime related events that i would not want to talk about on a podcast (laughs) I have, uh, I think we, I've talked about this on this podcast before, but like every year or two, I go down the serial killer hole on Wikipedia. Yeah. Which it's not something just, I, no, it, I wouldn't recommend people do it, but it's, it's like profoundly interesting in a morbid way. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I, don't, I, I get true crime novels, um, but I don't understand the, and, and like I get some, I get that some like cereal had a tone that was like very like it didn't feel like it was like celebratory of yeah. the bad stuff. It was, it was I think there are certain podcasts that do it really well. Um, there are a couple of podcasts that I listen to sometimes that are like genuinely like okay, we're going to tell you this story and we're going to be um, appropriately like appropriately, uh, you know in tone and then sometimes but then i was like okay let's listen try another true crime podcast and then like the like hey we are your two kind buddies and you're just like okay no thank you that 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 that's such a weird yeah if if you're interested in the former i can recommend the jcs criminal psychology youtube channel okay yeah sure which that stuff gets gets fascinating Okay, yeah, the last I wiki like, article I hit, I'm just going to give this because I've never heard of this. 1953 nine-pin bowling world championships. What is nine-pin bowling? Um, I've heard of five-pin. Um, I've heard of ten-pin. I don't know nine-pin. Nine I think bowling. it's the same as ten-pin bowling, it, but with nine is, pins. So is it where it's, you have to, when you do the break, you have to you have to shoot them all in in order? I looks don't know. like it's basically in a, um, like a diamond formation around a central yeah. pin. Okay, yeah. so it is like so, nine pin or nine yeah. nine ball. Uh, yeah, yeah it looks like it's primarily played in Europe. Anyways, yeah. anyways, anyways. Hey, everybody! <laughs> you know what else is um, primarily, primarily played, played in, in Europe? Europe? Oh, oh man, that could. <laughs> oh wow, that was <laughs> not okay. true. I mean, it is played in Europe a lot, but I don't know if it's primarily played in Europe. That is yeah. a very fair point. Is that what we're going with first? Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about your golf journey. Yeah. So have you ever, have you guys ever played a golf game to kind of relax? Oh, absolutely. Golf video game? Absolutely. I yeah. wasn't sure if we were going on golf video game or golf in real life. Uh, yeah, no, I, I would, I would say more in video game form. Yeah. I, I, that's like, that's like one of my favorite chill out game types to play just yeah. because there's something very satisfying about it. And yeah, I didn't really talk about it. Excuse me. Um, but uh, in the the PGA game, most recent one was in uh, a humble bundle recently, or like a humble monthly, uh, which I do, and so I played a few hours of it, and probably will play more of it at some point because nice. it's it's a good golf sim. 
Yeah. Have you ever played, um, what was that called? Desert golf on the phones, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. which is basically endless mini golf. Yep. Okay. Yep. Have you ever played or wanted to play a short hike? Yeah. Yes. Then may I recommend a little golf journey to you? That is the name of the game. Uh, I believe oh, it is on Steam I, and Switch. I uh, thought this was descriptive that you went on no. a little golf journey. I, I, thought, nope. I thought so too. I, I deliberately did not capitalize it so to lull oh, you yeah. into a false sense of security. Yeah. But no, this game is called A Little Golf Journey. It came out yesterday, so October 15th. And it is just a really relaxing 3D golf game. Like, uh, it, it's it's a 3D golf game. It has very chill music. Um, oh, it looks so cute. And, and it's kind of, in some ways, it's kind of reminiscent uh, aesthetically of like kind of low poly, uh, like a Monsters Expedition kind of style, that big blocky style mm-hmm. and just, you know, blocky trees and blocky environment. But like, it's nice. It's pretty. It's cute. And like, you can wander around the environment, not as a physical character, but you, you can move your camera around and look around and stuff. And there's lots of little secrets you can find if you want. Like... Last night I played a course and I was like, whoa, there's like a translucent cube here. What the hell is this? And I threw my ball into it and then it's like, it popped up like a 30 second timer and it's like, okay, now you're basically going to speed golf to hit all of these orbs that are just going to show up. And then you do that and it unlocks like an alternate path on the overworld because this game has an overworld. Hmm. Um, and it rules. It's a really nice game. I'm only like seven or eight levels in. I just played it a bit before bed last night and it very much seems like one of those, yeah, you can pick this up, play it for 20 minutes, half an hour, relax, have a good time, make some progress. Just one of those kinds of games. And it's fantastic. I think it's really good. That's cool. Yeah. No, this the way that you're describing this, I'm like, okay, that is, I'm immediately going to have to buy that later because that sounds really good. Yeah. And yeah. like um, reading, I read about, about how it goes later. Um, and it mm-hmm. sounds like, like, it sounds like the difficulty curve is really, really gentle and eventually it does get like challenging. And like, if you want to go for three stars, because it is kind of, it doesn't have pars per se. It's like, oh, if you get to the, 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 the net, I was going to call it the net. If you get to the hole in, uh, like two or three strokes, then you get three stars. If you get it in four strokes or five strokes, you get two stars. And if you get it over that, you get one star, but like. You're always going to pass the course. And then it's kind of like, um, I don't want to say like a mobile game. It's more like a Mario uh, 3D world where in order to like progress to certain gated levels, you have to have at least eight stars over mm-hmm. the past like five levels or something. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. So like there's progress. There's like kind of what seems to be a story, I, I guess. It's told through like letters that you're like reading and then flipping over and reading what's on the back of the letter and stuff like that. But I, I don't... It doesn't really have uh, a narrative to speak of yet. I don't know, uh, but it's great. It's um, I very much recommend it uh, if you want something chill. I don't know if it's That's on Game cool. Pass or any of that stuff, but yeah, it's been yeah. No, it sounds really positive. sounds like definitely something I want to play. Nice, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if I have that much more to say about it because it's not a particularly complex game, but it's sure, it's sure. Good. It has, but I hadn't it has even lots, heard of it, so. Yeah, it also has lots of accessibility options if people want things to help with aiming, things to help with uh, like depth perception, to my understanding, nice. and just things of that nature. So, yeah, good game. Well, perhaps the opposite of a cute and relaxing golf game. I also <laughs> see here that you played more 
cruelty squad. <laughs> <laughs> That does sound like the opposite. (laughs) Um, But weirdly, it does kind of enter this like weird Zen state of like you're just in it and you're not thinking about it very much. Um, For sure. Yeah, I would agree. Like it, 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 I think we talked about it the last time I brought up Cruelty Squad, where um, like you at first you were fighting against its systems, like the reload thing with uh, just how oppressively bizarre all of it is and it's like oh if i shoot these guys and i gib them all of a sudden a bunch of rats pop out and those rats are very tiny but do a lot of damage and also yeah yeah like that kind of stuff and it's like how do i reload this gun to the point where it's like you're just like why am i playing this and then you get used to it and then you just don't think about it (laughs) um so it gets zen in that way it's uh it's it's interesting that you describe it that way too because at this point i think you've played more than i have and um given that it is a game explicitly about corporate violence it is oh, yeah. fascinating no. that that you that it does become a sort of flow state eventually <laughs> yeah no uh, and I'm, I'm sure that's intentional <laughs> yeah i i'm it, it certainly remains oppressive and uh just mind bending for the entirety of it. Uh, do you know which stage you got to Pat? I don't remember. It was about halfway through the list of levels. Uh, swamp maybe possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Or the bog. I forget what they call it, but yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little past that as well. I just finished the casino, uh, which is just as anti-capitalist as you would imagine. Um, it's really funny. You know how you can go up to characters in that game and hit R and talk with them. And sometimes mm-hmm. they just have long blurbs they say at you. Other times they just say, ah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And those those moments are all my favorite when they just go, ah, and it's like kind of weirdly <laughs> disturbing. Um, yeah, talking with the people. Directly weirdly disturbing. <laughs> yes, especially when you run into the guy that's like um, being kept in a pig pen and he's pretty much naked. Uh, except for his shorts, and then you talk to him, and he just goes, ah. Yes. <laughs> that one is pretty weird. <laughs> um, when you get to the casino, talk to pretty much everybody. <laughs> yeah. They've got some buck wild shit to say. It's great. I believe it. Anyways, Cruelty Squad remains good, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's something that if you are interested in the concept of games as art, you should play just... Just because okay. conceptually it's a thing, you is know. Cruelty Squad art? I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely. I mean, yes. I think. Well, I think all games are art. Personally, that's that's my stance on the matter. But even Postal Two. Yeah, it's bad See, art. You know, that's the thing. It's like I am really <laughs> not to get too conceptual about this, but I am. I'd much rather have a very wide uh, definition of art than have a narrow definition of art. So I'm willing to yeah, that's say fair. pretty much like every game is art. Like I, I would agree with that just because it's like I do think that there is an element of that, especially when it comes to like not not just like visual art or story, but game design as a yeah. whole is is sure. there's a, there's an absolute art to it. Even if it's what? not good, it's it's still art. Like let's be I mean, games film is the same way. Yeah, art, oh, absolutely. It's a combination of art forms being employed 
in concert for something. And I think that the game design part of it is an art form and, and at every single game is a piece of art that video game at the very least, I don't know how I, when you get into things like is, are the rules of baseball art? That's a lot harder for me to, you know, I am not an art student. Yeah. I, <laughs> uh, I mean, but I, yeah, that it's, it, it but I'd still lean towards yes. Tricky, but I would rather again be, uh, yeah, more, lenient broad than have being more than than being less broad like like yeah because also there's plenty of terrible movies out there but it's like yeah there's still art there's still art i've seen the The room is still art yeah i've seen arguments from who are in art school who say that like art has to things have to be of a certain quality level in order for them to qualify as art and i just think that's like oh bullshit and if they're teaching that in art school i don't i'm glad i didn't go to art school because that's stupid and that's like also very oh god that's very narrow-minded and that's very um exclusionary especially since what's considered quality is often determined by specific groups of people subjective it's subjective to um i personally really like Someday I'm going to get like real deep into art history, but specifically about outsider art, because I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, But I like one of the things that I really love, um, like this is getting off on a weird tangent, is uh, specifically certain art movements that have a lot of like kind of outsiders. Like I love the arts and craft movement um, because Mm -hmm. it does include a lot of people uh, that aren't necessarily... um, considered necessarily art but it's like focused on decorative and things uh i i saw this display of um prints recently where it was like uh it was like art prints um like wood block prints but like the person who made them had to like carve them into like cutting boards because like that's what she had access to she wasn't trained but she learned how to do that it's like i think that's the yeah. most interesting art. Anyways, this is me going off on my art tangent. No, no, I agree so, completely. Uh, <laughs> with you. I th- and I think it's relevant because I think Cruelty Squad is the kind of thing that a lot of people would look at and go like, that's not art. But it is low art. Like, it's it's absolutely, yeah, yeah. it's intentional in, in everything that oh, it's doing. Oh, yeah. Especially with, with what it considers to, what it's doing with um, critique. Mm-hmm. Like, it is, it, I feel like, that, I would say that's like the like epitome of art in yeah. a weird way. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, I would tend yeah. to agree. Um, and I don't know why, but in the background I was doing my own research of things that I'd be like, would I consider this art? And yes, uh, leading me to the Wiggles fan art gallery. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's all art. All, that's all, absolutely the, the, art. The Wiggles are absolutely. Uh, 100%. The most, the most of art. So yes, <laughs> anything is art if you put your mind to it. But I think Cruelty Squad in particular is its own kind of <coughs> thing, which is artistic in its own way. Yeah, yeah. I still recommend it to anybody with a interest in that kind of thing and a, at least a laptop because it'll play on. As long it, well, you need a separate mouse, that's the biggest thing. If you don't have your trackpad oh, user, it's, it would be. <laughs> I don't know how that game would ever work on a trackpad, especially for reloading. Awful. Yeah, but. Uh, but but if as long as you got a mouse, then and, a, and at least a laptop, you should play that game because it's. I think it's a in, interesting. You, you may come away hating it, but um, you'll at least have grown. I, as I a have gamer. a friend. 
I, I kind of looked at my Steam's friend list of people who played it. I saw Andre had played it for like four and a half hours. And I saw my other friend uh, who played it for 27 minutes about three months ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you know, divisive. Well, um, you've also got Good Life on here, which I have also not yet played. But yeah, oh, I haven't played I... it, but but it's out. I'm excited I'm to, to put that in. Like, I feel like even the reviews that are mixed are I'm like, man, I want to, re- I want to play that so bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't actually seen any reviews yet. Uh, um, but the, the, like, so the, the rock, paper, shotgun headline was pretty, was kind of, um, uh, circling around on Twitter and the good life review, totally stupid, structurally broken, surprisingly deep and occasionally self-aware. And then, but okay. that article that, but that, uh, it ultimately is like, I'm glad I played this. And ultimately yeah. it's like, it's like, it's weird and kind of janky at parts, but. Hey, that sounds like my kind of game. And I actually. It's sweary. <laughs> yeah. RPS is like one of the places I actually um, would read a review like that and go, okay, let me see what you have to say. Right. Uh, so me that's, too. That's me too. To I, yeah. No. <laughs> I kind of haven't been anticipating this game because. Deadly Premonition 2 was so disappointing on so many levels um, that I was kind of like, whatever, one day good life will come out. Maybe it'll be good. Um, but now that it's here, I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to, to see what, what's up with it since I, I mean, it's on Game Pass and I backed it. So I have it on Steam. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I'm going to install it this weekend and check it out, too. Yeah, I'm going to probably play it later today. I'm interested. I think other- I mean, Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, the other th- the other review quote um, from Nintendo Life that I I'm a big fan of it it feels like a hidden Japan only gem of a, the PS2 era discovered in a bargain bin on a holiday to Tokyo and I'm that's like, great yes, right. yeah, yeah that's I'm awesome. I'm in for that exactly <laughs> like, that's kind of exactly what I want out of Swery <laughs> uh, oh absolutely same uh, the thing that I appreciate about Swery um, particularly from Deadly Premonition one that I'm hoping this game taps into a little bit is I find I think part of why and this is a this is a personal preference thing this isn't a me dunking on anything but like things like Animal Crossing are so close to me they're like almost what I want um but and like Stardew is almost what I want but I want just a little more mystery I guess in those kinds of like and it's not an aesthetic thing. It's 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 like I I don't I want a little bit more mystery in the walking around and talking to people. I want people that are like a little bit weirder, and I want things that are a little bit like stranger happening on the periphery. And Stardew has a little bit of that with the like dungeon and stuff, but it never in the like five or six hours in that I've ever gotten, it's always kind of like everyone's like, no, we're pretty normal. There's just also a dungeon here, uh, and <laughs> the same thing with like. Animal Crossing is like you get those certain some of those characters who are written really weird and I love them but also I there's no like I feel like I don't have enough of a purpose for me because I don't enjoy the end game elements of those games that that they're designed for so something that's like janky weird sort of open world feels like the wrong term because I'm not talking about a map game anymore that means like Far Cry and I don't want that not what i'm getting at but i want like 
open you area are, town with people to talk to people having their lives. That's what it comes down to. It's like people living their lives and they also happen to be weird. Like my favorite parts of deadly premonition is when you like mm. show up and spy on people in their homes and they're doing like <laughs> norm, they're doing really weird stuff, but to them it's part of their normal routine. Yeah. Um, and then you got Francis York Morgan talking about movies for like 20 minutes straight. Yeah. So anyway, I, um, I, 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 I'm looking forward to, it seems like, uh, the good life taps into less of the horror aspect of, of deadly premonition, but more of that sort of small town. That's something that, you know, I watched, um, midnight mass recently and it's something that, uh, that show gets at least early on that a lot of, of media doesn't people make things that are like homages to twin peaks all the time. And the reason that I think deadly premonition the first one anyway, is a better Twin Peaks homage than most similar media, even than things that I like. Like, I like Wayward Pines. The thing that Wayward Pines does not understand is Twin Peaks isn't about people saying weird, vague mysteries and and some creepy stuff happening. It's the way that that show is so... Um, uh, slow paced and like the way it shows people's lives that's to me what it really comes down to is the way that it it is so interested in the lives of these people and uh i think like midnight mass gets that early on too where it's like small community every person has an impact in what happens locally and Mm -hmm. it's very interested in their lives and i think that's something that sweary does really well with deadly premonition so i hope to see that kind of yeah. In this game too is, uh, is a look at people's lives. I would also recommend Welcome to Elk, if if that is yeah. interesting to you, because I, I should very play much, that too. Yeah, because it's very much that vibe, and also like with you describing uh, the good life that way, it just kind of seems like hot fuzz in a lot of ways too. Yeah, I mean hot fuzz rips <laughs> for, for that movie yeah. so good. <laughs> for yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and and. Uh, I think like the, the 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 one of the things that I that I like to talk about with Twin Peaks is like a lot of people will say, oh well, the first season's amazing, some of the best. The second season's garbage, and I think that's so wrong because the second season is extraordinarily boring at times. It's very stilted, and some of the writing is really weird. But I I love the second season of that show because it is like fifteen episodes of just like people doing their lives without a lot of the mystery being revealed. And I think that's extremely interesting to take that approach to you, you set up everything and all this intrigue in the first season. And then it's just like, what are people doing a day to day while this crazy mystery is, is going on? Um, and I get why people don't like it, but at the same time, I think it's great. And that's why I like video games like deadly premonition that sort of, take in that uh that that concept uh yeah. so yeah, yeah definitely gonna play do. the good life and it might be time to to check out the I, that deadly premonition re-release they did yeah i hope because uh, i haven't yet played the good life but i hope there's at least one point in it in which they say it is friday once again <laughs> yes <laughs> i i'll be interested to see how much like how many swearism things are in it uh, because I kind of wouldn't mind if this one was a little more 
on its own and not connected to a lot of that stuff because it is yeah. so different tonally from what it looks like. But also, I don't know enough about it to know if it stays different tonally. That's kind of why the headlines you were sharing, Allison, is totally fine. But I'm actually not going to read any full reviews oh, before I get enough. into it because yeah, I just want to sort of see what 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 happens um get into it genuinely. yeah I, I was and to be and i was just kind of like skimming through them going like yeah yeah okay. yeah i was like oh i saw that and i was like what is this and then so i started skimming and i was like oh wow okay this is this is like weird it sounds weird but like ultimately positive and i'm like perfect yeah. that's what I i'd want. like to be surprised i guess by it is the thing and i yeah. haven't really paid attention to any of the updates so all i know is like Same. there's lots of cats I, photography they, they, small town and that's about as I don't actually read them. Wait. Oop, my Discord freaked out for a second there. Yeah, Sorry, oh, mine did too. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, well, anyways, that's we'll actually talk about the what the the good life is as a video game probably next week. Probably mm-hmm. we've all had a chance to play it. Um, Allison, you've been down a a, a rabbit hole. Yeah. So. Oh my god. Speaking of niche PS2 games, I'm playing niche PS3 games. <laughs> niche PS3 RPGs right Sorry, now. Sorry, not allowed. To f- <laughs> PS2, cool. We're not going into PS3. Uh, tough, I'm playing... Well, I'll, sometimes the graphics like look kind of PS2 level. because most of not- them were PS2 games that were delayed to PS3. <laughs> Oh yeah, or like they're, again, they're like super Speaking niche, so they're Revolution. like, okay, let's have a cheap, like... The production value is like limited. Although yeah. the production value, like I feel like it, it it goes where it counts because like the aesthetics are really nice. The music is like perfect. Like the mm-hmm. music of this, I'm talking about the Atelier series, guys. Yeah, uh, you are. I'm I. <laughs> <laughs> so I finished Rise of Two before, like I think the last at like right at the last podcast, and so for the last two weeks, I have been spending too much time playing the first two games of the Arland trilogy now quadrilogy quadrilogy this is why um, because, i'm into this because you can call them you can the, the they have different there's mini series within the series that's the oh absolutely good yeah and it, and it's like and and i just started the third game of of this mini series and it, it and, and the thing that's interesting is that they all have their own separate stories and the and the protagonists are uh like like they're just now starting to add uh games that have the same protagonist which is new for the series but um all of the ga- most of the games have separate protagonists and it's kind of just here's the next wave of alchemists um so uh Ryza is the most recent series in that uh, in the Atelier series um, as a whole. And so now I've been going back to what is basically the start of the more modern era of the series, which is with the Arland um, trilogy. Uh, later, they added another game to the Arland series, which I'll be interested to play, but I'm kind of, I think, trying to play this through largely uh, chronological order um, mm-hmm. from this kind of newer series. Uh, so I've been I've been playing this um, the Arlen series, which is kind of interesting because a lot of people talk about these as being like the hard ones, and and, and it's like subjective where they're not necessarily hard, but the thing that's kind of interesting about them is that 
it's almost feels like a different genre of game in a lot of ways because a big part of it is time management in a way that most JRPGs don't have and that the later games in the series definitely don't have. Like, Ryza definitely doesn't have any of this at all. Um, but for the first two games that I've played, um, Rorona and Totori, um, like, you have specific amounts of time to do stuff. And if you don't do it in that time frame, you lose, basically. Um, so, like, in the first one, oh. Rorona, you're, hmm. you have basically the story is uh, your teacher did such a bad job managing their, your, this alchemy workshop that the uh, kingdom you're in is trying to shut it down. Um, but they're give, willing to give you a chance, uh, just that, but you have to keep doing these requests for the kingdom to keep it up. So every three months, there's basically like individual things, and then there's kind of an overarching goal of making your uh, alchemy workshop more popular and going through all the stuff. Um, so you really have a limited amount of time to be able to do things. Like I played um, the game and then I immediately did a new game plus because I was like, I got a normal ending and I'm like, well, that's bullshit. Um, I want a good ending. So I, uh, so I went through and played the new game plus. And even if with those, I still wasn't able to see everything in the game just because there's a, uh, uh, just so much that you can see and do, and everything takes time. Uh, like traveling to different areas takes time, doing alchemy takes time, um, and everything. So basically, you really have to like time is almost a bigger resource than anything else. To the point where you have to kind of go, okay, I want this. I want to get these materials. However, it's going to take me like five days to get there. Five days come back. And then to craft that item, it's going to take me two days. So really, do I really want to spend that amount of time doing that? But I could. I don't know if I can beat this uh, boss if I don't have good enough uh, uh, bombs that I've created. So like, it's it's kind of like you have to weigh these options. Uh, Totori gets like a lot harder. Because I started out the game, I got a bad, uh, like, first playthrough, I got a bad ending. Second playthrough, I got a hmm. normal ending, which still kind of ended in a kind of a bummer. And I'm like, this is, I, I might go back to it again later, but I'm like, I need to be done with this for now. Because everything takes time, including, uh, like, if you uh, gather stuff on the, uh, on the world, it's like, sure, you can do that, but that'll take up half a day. And there's like six nodes in this area, so that'll take several days to gather all of them. Uh, so you could do that if you want, but uh, also to get any sort of ending that's not terrible, you have to literally build a boat, which takes so much time, and then sail you must across. Build this... a boat. You must. Exactly. You gotta play like bejeweled. It's... Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, but it's like, but you, but it's like all all this level of like time management that is real i think really interesting for yeah. a jrpg and like a lot of a lot of people in the fandom are very like 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 in guides of like which atelier game should i see start with a lot of people um talk about like oh this is scary but i think they're really interesting games and they're yeah. really designed to be played multiple times for sure so, so th like yeah. they're sh they're generally shorter than like risa so, yeah. so like, that's why I've, in the past two weeks, I've played 
the first two games twice each because yeah. it, you, mm. you can kind of zip through the intro and you can zip through uh, a lot of the text. So you just kind of go, okay, well, this is where I failed the last time. So here's what I'm going to do. I want to be able to see this specific thing and this specific thing. But again, for both of them, I still feel like there's plenty of stuff I haven't seen yet. And I could theoretically go back and play more, but I'm like, I can't. How long is a playthrough? Like, is it the kind of thing where it takes you an hour and you're doing many of them? Or is it like a six hour thing? Or It's like playthroughs usually take about like 10, 15 hours. That's kind of what I was Um, thinking. That's that's significant then. Yeah, I mean, but you can, but like the second playthrough goes a lot, lot faster. Um, yeah, because you've seen a bunch of stuff already. Because you've seen it, and mm-hmm. and then like you, and stuff. you can skip all the dialogue and everything. Yeah. And uh, it's, I think it's, so it's still, it's still significant, but it's like on the short end for JRPGs, I, right? Um, I think where. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say I think that like the it's an interesting concept because. I feel like the concept of sort of time management in games generally, not that it was ever something that was pervasive across tons and tons of games, but you know, you look at like dead rising and stuff like that. And like it see, it feels like the way that a lot of studios took it was either in the, well, we can monetize this and make mobile games where time is like the gate or we can make roguelikes where you play them over and over again. And the playtime mm-hmm. is like one to three hours for a run. And I really appreciate the idea of a game that doesn't, that, that is more like, no time is passing. Things are occurring, but it's not a roguelike. It's just, this right. is, there's just things you're going to miss because they pass you by. Cause you're doing other things. I think that's awesome. I wish there were <laughs> right. more games I, that did that. You know, and I don't the, think it's that, it's not necessarily hard. It's just hard if you want like a specifically yeah, decent ending or if you want to see sure. everything or if you like want to see everything on the one, if you want to see everything on one playthrough, basically you need to go through a guide. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I'm, I, I'm not yeah. actually making, making this. I just want to bank this transition and say, Pat, you've been playing a game. That's very much the exact <laughs> thing you described of oh there's an event there's events happening on a clock where you replay it all the time and oh yeah you're trying to make things um, line up and blah 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 but th- i'm not actually transitioning no yeah I mean, <laughs> I think it was just a it was a good one to bank away yeah i think it's a good <laughs> comparison though like time loop games are really in right now and while i also like that concept i think the idea of a longer narrative game where stuff is just happening i, I think this is Mm. I've been thinking a lot about like my gaming tastes recently and I realized that that's, I talked about this a little bit, I think last podcast, but that is the core of my favorite kinds of games is games that have stuff happening Mm -hmm. that are happening, whether you are participating in them or not. Oh, for Um, sure. Like with, uh, with Totori, I actually played the second half of the game three times because like the first my first playthrough I was like I'm going to try and re reset all like like go to a past save and see if I can get a decent ending which I could not in that playthrough um but there's like a whole ass like festival subplot that I completely missed on two yeah. uh, on those second two times where I was just That's like interesting 
where it's like your whole your hometown is doing a fishing festival. You could help this person like confess his love to somebody, but I just like completely missed it. And then, but the first time I played it, I I I fucked it up. So he's like, "You did, fucked it up for me. I, Why did you did fuck you, it up for me? Did Did y'all ever play Chrono Trigger? Yeah, I don't yeah. like Chrono Trigger. Yeah, but but <laughs> I'm it kind of has like four people had, on Earth. Yeah, but it it definitely had a lot of those concepts, like. Yeah. Of just like little tiny branching paths that you could totally miss. I which think, I think which is kind of which is fascinating. For some reason, Chrono Trigger for me, please don't send me hate mail. I get it. It's it's a great game. It's just not one that I ever connected with. Um I think the thing that it and these games may I may have a similar reaction to them if if I were to play them, but I'm okay with it being the illusion of stuff happening. Like in Skyrim, um does it really matter that a character walks from their house to their job? It's not like anything is going to change. It's just a script that runs um, unless you do something to fuck it up. But even then it's just going to resume once you're no longer there to fuck it up. And it's not even running if you're not in that town. <laughs> like, uh, but it's enough of an illusion while I'm playing that I still, get immersed and sort of sucked in the thing when I've tried to play chrono trigger is it feels much more like, um, just like branching, like branching paths kind of like, yes, there's stuff you can miss, but it never felt to me like time was really passing. It was more like narrative was passing. Um, so I think that's why that stuff never really hooked me, even though you're right that when you look at everything on a flow chart, it's just as it's just as much of a of a of a choice to how as to how you spend your time in that game as it would be in anything else, like more immersive simmy sort of open world sort of things. So it's an interesting subject though because I think that's part of why I was I've been so into something like New World is even with all its problems and even with it being not the best action RPG by any stretch of the imagination in terms of gameplay and combat. The fact that I log in and it's like, Oh shit, stuff happened while I was not playing. Like now this faction holds this town and people are talking about how that we need to manage the corruption in this zone. Um, that stuff's very interesting to me. So Allison, do yes. other games in the Atelier series do this? Or is this like one of those kind of, like you said, the different miniseries have different mechanics. Like, is this kind yeah, of time-based time stuff I, this, at all? This is something that's kind of been um, uh, kind of phased out of the series. Kind of. I like, I think that some of them have a little bit of a time management light in, in later games, but it's very, it's not punishing at all um which is it's kind of interesting because a lot because like Ryza has a time system and so like when you are like doing alchemy it time is passing so like you you'll start at a certain time and, and you'll end at a certain time but it doesn't really matter all that much except for the fact that um like certain people aren't going to be out at night or something so it's like okay i want to go you know trigger this activity but i can't right now because it's 2 a.m uh but it's it's i think that they they phased a lot of this out which is i think kind of a shame because i think this this creates a really interesting dynamic especially for a jrpg uh because it's basically telling you 
you can't grind. Like, you really can't. Like, you, that's going to take a precious time when you could be collecting materials and, and making stronger equipment, So, which is going to be more significant than grinding up levels. Um, so I do think that it's a little bit of a shame that this is, that they've kind of phased this out, but I think that's also because later games, especially really want to have that kind of chill vibe and like the chill vibe is still there in these early games. It's just also like, you can't, you can't get, let yourself get lulled in because if you do, then you'll be like, Oh, actually I fucked it all up. Yeah, yeah. So it, was, it was probably a decision made for the sake of like streamlining and onboard making onboarding easier for more casual players. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's probably been um you know, for the best in terms of getting the the series like the series popularity because people like who like the game really liked the like the um kind of chill vibes of it, kind of hangout vibes. You're it, it it's it's just very pleasant and going okay i've got three years left i need to do this 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 and this uh if i don't i'm gonna get a bad end if i do i'll probably still get like a mediocre ending let's go like so i think yeah would you describe these older games as like lo-fi jrpgs to study slash relax to uh oh god (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god! It's yeah, I, I'm interested to play. I so, um because from what I've heard, the second trilogy after this Arland series is the uh, Dusk series, and apparently that gets really interesting in terms of tone and story in a way mm. that other ones don't. Um, and then the other one, which is right before Rise, as the Mysterious trilogy, uh, which is now also getting a new game and getting a direct sequel, which is weird. Uh, but um, that's supposed to be like kind of the most chill ones, I think. So it'll, it'll be interesting to to keep playing these, but I'm not sick of them yet. So well, that's <laughs> I'm cool. still, yeah. I, I, have, I have one last question. And yeah. I, I suppose we could move on after that if you, if you want, unless we can want to talk about Atelier more. But, um, hey, I'm always so, up for that. So with their kind of chill, casual vibes, what are the stakes at play? Because like usually JRPGs, it's like, oh, we're fighting God to save the entire universe. Yeah, and and that's the and that's the thing that I kind of like about some of these games. Like, Ryza eventually gets into like, hey, we gotta save the world, but it's like still kind of chill about it. Whereas the first game in Ireland, Ramona, is if if you don't, your alchemy workshop will be shut down. Like, it'll suck, but you're not really saving the world. It's like basically. That's kind cool. of establishing yourself as an uh, alchemist in Totori, um, it's interesting because your whole goal is to find your your mother, who is an adventurer who's missing. Which uh, oh. I mentioned to Alex as being similar yeah, <laughs> to does, something we. Is, is your character named? Uh, oh God, I was going to say Rika, but what was her name? Oh, oh God, what was her name? Uh, Abyss. Re- Chan. Yeah. Oh God, why can't I remember Rico? Yeah. Yeah. No, but it's uh, but like it it, ha- it has like a like an emotional story to it. Like the bad ending I got. Um, spoilers for the bad ending of Totori is you can still continue your being an adventurer. That's fine, but you're told you'll basically never achieve your goals in life. 
It's like you'll you still you can still work. You can like you can still be an adventurer. You're not gonna get kicked out of the adventurers guild. But you should really you're probably not gonna achieve your goal of finding out what happened to your mother. Um That's fair. And then and then the second and then the good ending is like is getting more closure on what happened to your mother, but it's like it's it's interesting though. It it, it like is a lot more character focused, which is interesting too, because um the characters in uh, the side characters in Rona are a lot better than the side characters in Totori, which I think mm-hmm. is why in the like DX versions, like the deluxe um, remasters of these, those, those are on Switch, just, right? Yep, and that's what I've yeah. been playing it on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they basically are like, okay, we'll make the characters from Rona playable too, <laughs> whereas oh. it's like because it, <laughs> you're just kind of like, okay, I, I the, the the side characters, I'm like. You all, all kind of suck, really, except for the ones that came from Rona. Um, but but it, but it's really like a lot more character focused on Totori, which is really interesting. Um, so I, I don't know. I think these are just like really cool JRPGs that do some interesting things where it's um, either character focused or or focused on the vibe of it, just the kind of the chill vibes. And uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm just like. It's also, I think I mentioned this in our, I mentioned this in our Discord, um, if, or, or no, I mentioned this on Twitter, where, like, you find a game series that is, like, made for you, and I kind of feel that way about this series now, which it's is also, fun. It's cool to find something that you're interested in, <clears throat> excuse me, you're interested in kind of exploring the the ways in which the series evolves, the differences in um, from game to game structurally and mechanically. I think that's like to that's I've, I've recently hit a place where I'm like fine with playing bad games. I don't really want to spend 60 to $70 on a bad game, but if we're talking in the like 20 to 30 bucks range, it can be worth it to me to play something that's bad or that is, you know, a down point for a series just to understand the progression and development of that game series a little bit more. Um, not that I'm saying that anything that you're playing is not good, but I mean, just oh, like no, I mean, more broadly, I, especially uh, since I heard a lot of like, a, there's like a, especially with talking to people about like, where to start with a series because I, I think that's like a pretty common question considering there's all the different sub series and everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like a lot of people have made a lot of comments about like, oh, what what's aged well or what's um, you know, too punishing. Yeah. What what comes to that? But it's like it's I think it's it's interesting to kind of explore it even if it's For sure. like even if I'm like man I'm gonna be okay with my normal ass ending. For for well, now, because I don't want to go back into this. It but. goes into the. I, I don't. I don't care if the jumping is good in Good Life. You know, like <laughs> that's I, what I want out of games anymore is to be. Sometimes it's to be challenged, but most often it's to just have interesting experiences that don't. Yeah. Really, oh, me too. That that are that that are unique, or at least. Um, you know, everybody has come. I'm going to play Elder Scrolls Six, and it's probably going to be roughly the same kind of game that Elder Scrolls Five is, and I'm going to love it and spend 200 hours playing it. But generally, what I'm looking for is stuff that's like interesting and different, and 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 makes me think. I guess is really what it engages the brain. I the the I wish I had picked up a couple of these in that sale that they had. I just did. I got like analysis paralysis as to 
which oh, ones I was yeah. interested in getting. And and then I was like, well, I should probably start playing it with Ryza since, which I still think I would want to do. Um, and that goes on sale a little more frequently. So oh, it sure like, it sure does. Yeah, maybe I'll wait till I'm actually going to play it because I probably won't get to it until later this year. Yeah, and, and like the other games go on sale less frequently, but also they go on sale more frequently. I think on Steam. So yeah, which I can get. Um, it so which, which is, it'll be which is, that's yeah. where I'll get be buying JRPGs from now on as Steam Deck information. Oh my god, I was to, just thinking, and that thing looks fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's amazing how Steam Deck for me has gone from I'll put five dollars on it. No, I don't know if I want it to. Like, I need this machine yeah, in my sure. life. Yeah, and because that is my like going to be JRPG and visual novel and weird indie yep. game machine. Also, we don't have it in news, but a lot of videos have been dropping of the Steam machine and like them just like showing off random games on it. And that's definitely <sighs> making me feel like that. And not the Steam the, machine, the Steam Deck, but yeah. yeah. Uh, the the Psychonauts two footage that they put out that there's oh, like a Twitter account that. that's like playing like games running on Steam Deck. I don't. I it must be Valve that is doing it, but um, maybe it, it's. It I think so because they um, have a um they have a Steam Deck like a um verified Twitter which is basically like okay. showing off. I think yeah. it was before it was verified when I saw it. Yeah, that's why oh, I wasn't okay. positive. Yeah. But if it's verified, then it's definitely Valve. Yeah, yeah and it's just yeah. like off. It's just off off uh, screen footage of games running, and they showed Psychonauts two yeah. running, and it looked incredibly good yeah. on at that thing. On it was running deck. at sixty frames a second. I know. Yeah, I, oh my, I, I'm I like, will, I will put a link to that in the show notes because yeah, it looks it looks great. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I have been also as as Alex alluded to. Um, Playing speaking of time. speaking of games where you you can live in a universe where every time you start a play playthrough it yeah. has stuff events that happen <laughs> on a set schedule in which you can interact with them in a way that makes some kind of sense. Although in 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 uh, in in Outer Wilds, you have to do everything. <laughs> you have yeah. to see everything, or <laughs> you will never complete the game. Uh, <laughs> um, I have been. Uh, I had mentioned last week that I started playing Echoes of the Eye. The, the DLC expansion for Outer Wilds, and I have finished it at this point. Um, I, I'm going to talk about it as vaguely as possible, but if you are someone who was like, I love Outer Wilds, I'm going to play this DLC, I just haven't had time, but I'm already sold, skip ahead to the next timestamp, just because, you know, I'm not going to talk about anything specific, but hey, maybe you don't even want to know things structurally about this DLC, and that's fair. Um with that said, though, like it is, um, I was saying next week that like seeing the like opening bits of it was really powerful again, and and it just it never really lets up. It's it's so intricate, and there's so much care put into every like inch of what is in this DLC. And, you know, I, again, I don't want to say specifically, like, what you're doing in it, but it is structurally kind of like, hey, there's another place here now. Um, like, your loops are still starting the same way that they did before. Um, it's not like it's, like, a separate menu item or anything. Uh, and um, you just, it it's, what I think is the most impressive thing about it to me is you could almost, like, narratively... It's not really, it would have been weird for them to make this a sequel because like to make it a second, like executable that you are launching because oh, it no. isn't, it's very, what? 
Executable. Sorry, please continue. Do you know how long in my head I was like, (laughs) I don't want to say this word because I know that however I say it will be wrong to someone. (laughs) But I was like, I don't want to. That's why I usually just say application. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Subject. Um, Executable. Um, (laughs) That uh, that it it, it is a very complementary piece from a narrative perspective. And um, it doesn't really... It just makes sense that it's it is DLC, but it also took me like twelve hours to play this thing. It's mm-hmm. not like it's it's not it's. I was expecting it to be like three or four hours, and um, it just sort of keeps going in a way that's very satisfying, not in a frustrating way. Um, and you know, it's yeah, it's a new basically location to explore and discover, but it's also one that you spend you can spend twelve hours pretty much kind of plumbing its depths. That's not a like spoiler for what it is or anything um and i think what is the most impressive thing to me is that even though it is part of the game and complimentary virtually everything you do except for the basic acts of like walking around and jumping is a new thing that wasn't a piece of it's not like you're like using those crystals that was in the base game or anything those don't show up at all um there's like one thing i can think of that was in the base game that you go like oh i have to deal with this but for the most part it is like almost entirely it is all new mechanics and all new ways to solve puzzles with the same basic idea of like yes it is a time loop yes there are events that happen yes they they change the environment in certain ways just like they did in the in the base game yeah Um, and it sounds like it's i have not played the dlc i don't know if i will i liked outer wilds but you know, it was uh, it wasn't as like revelatory for me as it was for some, and I've been hearing a lot of discourse about it and reading a lot and listening to podcasts like Nextlander and other such places, where it sounds like there is a very distinct thing that happens in this DLC, like that everyone points to and they're like, "This thing has happened," and you're either going to love it or hate it. What like what, yeah. everything after that point? I I don't know what that is, so I'm not going to spoil so, anything. But, so I guess but, it's but yeah, it, it seems like it's divisive. Specifically, what I would what happens there, quote unquote. It there. pops up with the menu thing, so it doesn't. It's not an enormous spoiler to say like when you start the game for the first time, even because I played this on PC. I didn't. I played the base game on Xbox. So mm. even though I was starting with like a completely fresh save and install on PC, it still popped this dialogue up where it it, it tells you you can turn on a thing called reduced frights in the menu um oh which yeah tell not, you. not even that but oh sorry oh yeah it wasn't about the reduced frights that was it was oh. a, a thing that happens that you engage with oh i, I, I don't know I, what it is but i guess i can kind of see what it is if people are complaining about that then i think they probably don't like outer wilds frankly because <laughs> it's a thing that is very core to what outer wild there is a certain thing that does happen while you're playing that is um introduces um a it's it's a thing that happens every loop and it it is definitely something that is like oh i have to deal with this now but i guess to me that's core to what outer wilds is i mean that's the whole thing about it so i i i would be surprised if people who really like the base game don't like that thing that happens i guess i i would recommend uh, listening to the latest next lander podcast wherein i'll take vinnie a listen Ca- vinnie caravella who is a big fan of it uh it was episode 19 across the Shamalanaverse uh from next lander uh where they spent a long time talking about m night Shyamalan movies probably like 
10 to 15 minutes. Anyways, Vinny talks about being a very large fan of Outer Wilds and saying he wasn't, he didn't really like this DLC. Um, oh, because, that's like, shock- that is it's definitely shocking to me. Yeah. It, uh, the, the TLDR on it, and again, I haven't played, so I don't have the context, but he said there's enough randomness in introduced with what happens uh, with this that like he was trying to plan for certain things to happen, but because it was random, he couldn't count on something happening. So, did he finish so, it? I think he had not finished it by that point, but again, My, this is me recounting another person. Yeah, I, I understand. So, yeah. I'm more using it as a bait. So I think that's an interesting, I will definitely listen to it and I'm not trying to put words in Vinny's mouth, but that's something that I think is, is present in the base game, but that perhaps you would not have encountered based on how you solve puzzles in the base game. There isn't randomness that matters that happens here. Nothing you can count on everything that you need to happen to solve every puzzle happens every loop. Um, But I can see how you would think you need certain random things to happen if you're trying to play with certain solutions that your brain stumbles onto. Um, but I, it's that's not there. There's no like there are some sort of random things that can happen, but it's basically like think of it like um, to make it a to, to make a connection to the base game. Um, Brittle Hollow has like um, rocks hitting it, and you know like the floor is falling away as you're sort of playing through it, and it is random where that can occur, but it doesn't actually matter for your ability to progress through the game. It can seem like it does because you might go like, Oh, I really need this platform though. I really need this piece of land. It doesn't really matter, but I can see how you would think that it would. Um, sort of similar things are at play here. Um, but, but uh, I, I think the thing that, uh, that, that could put someone off is that there is a distinctly, although I actually, maybe there's a specific, the, the, there was one part of it that I thought was a little frustrating, and maybe that's actually, maybe I'm totally off in what he's talking about, um, because there is one sequence that I can see being frustrating because of the way that the pieces in the world are moving, and it's less about solving puzzles and more about executing on just doing mm-hmm. something. Like it's just um, the mechanical act of yes completing an action, right? And sort of what I will say is, this is related to the reduced frights thing. I need to look at what happens if you turn that on, because there are certain. Mecha- First of all, I didn't find it particularly scary at any point, really. Um, but I can see how if you are someone who is like, I would probably tell Sam, you need to if 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 Sam were to be interested in playing this DLC, I would say please turn reduced frights on at the top because you will not have a good time if you do not, because there are bits of it that again, I just thought were cool. Um, but if you are really averse to horror games, then you, you, you might not like certain parts of it. And Uh, and just as a broad question, is it a horror game in the sense of like an amnesia slash outlast kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and I think some of the things related to that I could see, like I had one part that I played through where I think I maybe, I, I don't know. I think there's this thing with, this is a broad horror games bit. This isn't spoilers or specific to Echoes of the Eye necessarily. Horror, good horror games are actually good amnesias, like... That that kind of yeah. like genre of modern horror games, 
they're not actually that hard. The 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 the, the it's general. It's actually usually pretty easy to escape the thing or to get around it. Sure. But they give you the they give you the feeling that it won't be. They make you think like, oh, I need to be so careful here because it it could see me. When really like. Right. If you watch, there's a lot of amnesia videos out there that are like, oh, the AI is actually pretty stupid. And you can yeah. you can kind of clown on them if you if you once you understand their patterns. Um yeah. or like alien isolation kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And 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 sort of to this is sort of a again, like a sort of broad connection, not a direct like there's a monster chasing you around. That's not what necessarily what I'm saying, but some of the scarier stuff in Echoes of the Eye. I think you can pers- it can it can appear to be a lot more a lot less forgiving than it really is, um, if you look at it. But I will have to listen. I would be curious to know what Finney's actually talking about um, because I I think there's a couple of small sequences that can appear much more frustrating than they are if you just kind of don't approach them too analytically and just sort of go with your gut. And in some ways I actually appreciate that about it because so much of the base game is just the puzzle solving that introducing a bit of like, you just got to go, man, you just got to do, you just got to execute on this thing and do it. Um, And I don't feel that the controls necessarily get in the way, but I also think that there is an aspect of it that I think it could have been tuned a little bit better. Let's put it that way. Um, There's, there's, it's, there's, it could have just been a little bit more, player friendly um and it would have probably felt less like a um would have felt less uh of a like a like less of a a less bumpy maybe is the way to put it um it it still seems lovingly crafted though like yeah even if you're trying if you if we're having to poke holes in it to say like oh you know it could be imperfect for some people that's fine it still seems like they put a lot of time effort and just you know, love, effort, is, and attention, and affection into it. So it's it's astonishing to me that they made this thing in like essentially two years, um, mm. a little less than that, even uh, because it is. I mean, it's it's so much of it is new. I mean, it's all there's stuff happening here that are like whole new systems yeah. that are being introduced, yeah, like, like physics wise, like and again, we have to kind of step around spoilers because the whole thing about this game is that it's a story and it's you're interacting with the mechanics yeah. in the way the story works, which is cool. But like you messaged us several times being like, I thought I was done. There's nowhere. Yeah. I'm nowhere close to done. And it, like, yeah. I, what was your final play? Like our count more or less it took about 12 hours. Yeah. Uh, like that's significant. <laughs> and that was without using guides uh, or anything. There was one thing that I looked up much like the base game where I, th- I knew I was near the end and I was like, I think I'm right about this solution and I don't want to um I, I wanna just I don't it's hard to 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 say directly what it is without spoiling, but I just okay. wanna like confirm that I'm right so I don't spend a whole loop doing something that is unrelated, basically. 
Uh, or if I'm, yeah. if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, then I waste a half hour because I, I, I already have all the information. I just want to make sure that I solve this correctly. Uh, yeah. And I didn't even look at the solution. I just kind of looked at like a vague hint that someone put in a guide to make sure that I was on the right track. Oh, cool. Um, I'm glad that people are putting vague hints in there. Kind of, it's mm-hmm. like a, it's like yeah, the Lucas, Lucas art style of hints. <laughs> yes. There's very good steam guides that, that do that. Um, but anyway, oh, yeah. The, uh, otherwise I didn't use a guide and I would add around 12 hours, um, which I think cool. is a satisfying way to play it. I think it just kind of, most of the stuff just kind of clicks. Um, there was one solution that I banged my head against for a couple loops. And then I was brushing my teeth two nights ago and was like, oh, my God, that's the way you do it. And then sure enough, like the next morning I tested it and it was that's right. Cool. Um, Aha moments rule. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think if you liked Outer Wilds, um, this is more but different enough that it doesn't feel it also the, the, the narrative is so good and it it feels like so much like it was there all along which is the point um and it makes me want to replay the base game with like and see it all again kind of with that knowledge of what has happened in this dlc in my head um because it's definitely if you haven't played the game at all before i definitely recommend um hopefully you weren't listening to me talk about it because (laughs) it's better to go as blind as possible but um Hope I I would say you know definitely play this DLC kind of alongside with your playthrough of the base game because it's 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 a really nice complement to what's happening narratively there. Cool. And I guess again one last question is it does it kind of feel like a Outer Wilds one point five more so than anything like or or is it more significant or is it more integrated or like it's so it, narratively it's so much a part of it's hard to describe because it's so much a part of the base game story but it's like you didn't know it was there like it could have just been an optional side thing in the base game and it would have made sense um there's it doesn't feel like they were like even if this is what happened it doesn't feel like they finished the base game and they were like what if we also told this side story it feels very much like it's just been happening alongside what you're doing currently um yeah mechanically i would say 1.5 is probably a fair way to put it but it's only because it's got so much new stuff in it that's so different um and uh so i think what it really does is is one i never thought we would get more outer wilds so it's it's a joy that there is that they even did that there was a enough of a reason for me to spend 12 more hours playing that game other than just booting it up to fly around which i do sometimes um but it makes me so excited for whatever they're doing next because i feel like anything is possible i feel like they could return to outer wilds if they wanted to i feel like what's more likely is that they'll do something completely different but that's super exciting too because the people there like this to the to me echoes of the eye is like somehow they managed to catch lightning in a bottle twice and that is very impressive because it's every bit as good as the base game to me. Um, and cool. uh, I think that's and really exciting. Given how much you love that base game, that's saying yeah, something pretty absolutely. significant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard to say, like, I, it's, it's very easy to, to, to get I me. Mean, Echoes of the Eye is like easy game of the year for me, like in the sort of looser, we can include DLCs and expansions as, uh, 
as 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 entries like this is no question i mean i haven't played anything this year that is engaged me in the same way or anything uh even even though there's stuff i really liked this year um and it's it's just sort of on that higher level i, I mean of course i should at this top too i play tested this game my name is in the credits so like <laughs> obviously it, it's you have to take what i say with a grain of salt anyway because it's my favorite game but i guess there's an additional one but they also didn't pay me or anything they sent me a code for the for the dlc but i asked for it on ps4 like a doofus for some reason and i wanted to actually play it on pc i don't know why i said ps4 so i ended up buying it anyway (laughs) so uh i i uh i i I did not uh get paid or anything for it and i didn't even end up really using the one benefit i got monetarily from it which was the code but um yeah i don't know if you like outer wilds you should play it more or play it for sure uh and if you like adventure games slash you should play Outer Wilds. You should, you should play Outer Wilds. Yeah, so for sure. One leads um, to the other. Feel free to message me on Twitter for vague hints if you need them. Uh, the other thing that I played briefly, we'll touch on um, before we talk about some news, uh, yeah. is Circuit Superstars finally came out of early access. Um, what's, what's Circuit Superstars? I, I saw you write this down. I don't remember what it is. Yeah, so I played... I don't know. I don't even think I talked about it on the podcast. I played a very tiny bit of this when it was in early access um, earlier this year. Maybe it was last year. Um, Circuit Superstars is a cool game. It's a top-down racing game. And by top-down, I don't mean directly top-down. It's kind of isometric. It's kind of like if you've seen Art of Rally, sort of similar perspective going on here. Um, And it is cool because it is a arcade sort of top-down racer that was developed by people who are like really enthusiastic about real life motorsports so it takes a lot of ideas from sim racing and from real life which obviously takes a lot of ideas from real life racing uh and it makes for a really really cool um like you there's sim racing one of the things that makes it so cool is yes it's you feel like you're driving a car but it's also got a lot of things with like pit strategy tire management um, fuel management that are incredibly interesting concepts that racing games basically never touch on because it's why would they if you're doing like a four lap race like what why would you bother with that stuff um so what circuit superstars does it's cool is it includes things like tire degradation fuel management car mm. damage and <laughs> um and pit stops uh, interesting and incorporates them in and it kind of it is arcadey so basically it's like if you do like a five lap lap race you're not really going to have to manage your tires or your fuel at all but if you do a 20 lap race and the lap times are like 30 seconds it's kind of the average for the tracks if you do like a 20 lap race which is like 10 ish minutes at 30 seconds a lap um you definitely are going to have to take a pit stop and so you start to do things like plan out like well do i want to try to and, and one thing I'm not positive of is what their tire degradation model looks like. I don't know for sure if it's dynamic enough that you could tire save, um, which is something you can do in a real car. It's basically like tires degrade more the more um, they're loaded up from side to side. Uh, so basically, like, if you're pushing the car around a corner and putting a lot of lateral G-forces into the tires then that causes them to degrade faster because they're having to do more work to keep you 
pointed in the right direction and keep you from sliding from side to side basically so, so you don't know if it's like just a more linear like time yes. scale thing versus i'm how not much, positive how much how much quote-unquote where you're actually putting on it because of right. drifting or whatever yeah i'm not positive it's hard to test because of the nature of the game since it's like very much like very fast paced lots of turns and stuff it's hard to like drive gentler on the tires yeah. um but it's totally possible that you can and either way regard you're still having to decide do i want to because you notice the tire fall off in this game when they get down to like 42 percent. there's a little meter in the corner that tells you um what your tires are at percentage wise then they get down to like 42 percent. it's like okay i have much less grip the car is slower which is just like what happens in a real car when the tires degrade so you do have to think about like well do i want to try to go maybe i'll lose three or four positions and i'll be in like fourth place going into the last five laps but if i wait i can then come out of the pits and have fresh tires and go way faster than everybody and maybe i gained positions while they were taking their pit stops earlier in the race so there's a lot of there is like some strategy at play in terms of how you want to pit and stuff and it's really cool to see that in this sort of bite-sized races um it's also impressive because the tracks are kind of whatever they're sort of they're not real world tracks obviously they're they're like they look kind of like go-kart tracks um and there's a lot of them but they're fine uh what i do like though is the car selection is pretty extensive they've done they like sort of looked at broader classes instead of specific real life cars but they're all based on real life classes so you've got like they call it the i think they're called pacinos um and they're like kind of like yeah they're like little hot hatches they're kind of like cleos or something um and uh the those are sort of like the starting car and or they look maybe like smart cars that's probably a better touch point little little tiny hatchback cars but then they've also and then they they go up through like the the kind of grand prix it's not really a career mode but the 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 set of tournaments that you can do that are like mario kart tournaments they have like um you go up to these like featherweights which are kind of like hot roddy looking caterhamish cars and then you've got like the there's a semi-truck one that i just did last night that's like the semi-truck racing racing semis that they have in brazil and the uk or in brazil and europe um all the way up through like uh modern day formula cars um so there's just a wide range they have things like prototypes they have gt cars they have rally cross in there there's a bunch of different kinds of car classes and they feel very different which is pretty cool um and it's cool because you also the the general control and circuit design is informed by real racing so instead of it being like you still do a lot of drifting and sliding, but instead of it being the like Hot Wheels unleashed and Mario Kart system of like get on the brakes just to initiate a power slide and then boost out in this game, it's more like, no, you want to break and then do your turn in. Like if you were racing more of like a real sim racing thing. Um, yeah. You don't want to mm. get too much heat on a dog day afternoon. Especially <laughs> if you get insomnia once upon a time in Hollywood and Donnie Brasco is all like, Nah, you're not the godfather with your Pacinos. Uh, it's Sorry. one car. It's it's one car. No, it's <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a cool thing. Um, the one thing that I'm a little concerned about is that the player council seems pretty low, and online racing is like, 
I think kind of I I did I I did a in preparation to talk about it I did do one match made race and I got into a race uh with one person um <laughs> one other person um it is kind of a cool system in my opinion uh where you just match make and then it pops up with like three different options it'll be like um here's a pacino race where everyone's out pacino and there's no tire degradation or fuel or damage and it's five laps around this track and then it'll be like here's a gt car race and it'll be at 125 percent tire deg and 100 percent fuel consumption and 50 percent damage or here's like a mini tournament where you're going to do four races five laps each whatever and then everybody votes on which of those three things they want to do then you do it and then if you stay in the lobby you vote again so it's kind of cool because it 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 sort of pushes you to do a bunch of different stuff in the multiplayer i kind of like that about it um i did a just just when you thought you were out they pull you back in exactly into the pacino um the uh it might be Picino too i'm not sure (laughs) it's like p-i-c-c-i oh okay something but i think it's supposed to be pacino anyway um spelled different but uh i did a, a four race rally car rally cross tournament mini tournament with this other person and it was very exciting i won oh interesting so sorry it was the same person and you did like a whole circuit yeah like it was like a mario kart kind of championship sort of situation um where each of the races was only a couple minutes long but we did four of them uh and i i won uh because i won three out of the four races and they won one race uh, and since there were, were only two of us, were they close? Uh, it was pretty close racing at, at, in, in, a, in a couple of them. And then the net code was pretty okay. They were in this series. It was ghosting when you got close to each other, like you couldn't hit oh, each other. Okay. Um, which I don't fine. know if that's something that they well. introduce across the different series mm-hmm. and stuff. My cat is freaking out over here. Um, I don't know if they uh if if that's like something that they do across online series. Um I think ghosting is fine, but I I think it would be kind of a shame if there was no way to turn it off because collisions matter if you're especially if you're going to model things like damage and stuff and the damage does f- fuck you up. Um so yeah, I don't know, but I would assume in in maybe it's disabled in public lobbies which would maybe make sense but in private ones you can keep it on the thing i think this game really needs is better crossplay. i think it has xbox and pc crossplay right now but um if i hear there's a lot of people playing it on playstation i may end up picking it up there too because uh i would like to be able to play it against people online here and there it's the perfect kind of like uh I did, well literally what i did last night was i practiced for an iRacing race that i'm doing today for like an hour and a half and then i was getting ready for bed and i was like oh, i'm gonna play this circuit superstars game for 45 minutes or whatever um yeah. and it's good cool. that sounds sounds like a very pat game in the yeah yeah in, and i think in it's a, it, an affectionate way <laughs> if you if you also are into like the idea of some of the stuff that's in sim racing but you don't want to do sim racing like you don't. This is a controller game. You don't play this game with. A oh, for sure. So this like is that. very like accessible for, for sure. people who are yeah. interested, like kind of interested in some of that, but not wanting to go the full yeah. absolutely uh, sim racing it's, route. It's like people who want to play PGA Tour versus a little golf journey. Yeah, 
and you it's, can play Forza Motorsport series versus Circuit Superstars. Yeah, uh, it's uh, maybe it's, not exactly, it's, but it's uh, twenty bucks too, so it's not like it's super expensive or anything. Um, it's a small studio that made it, but it's published by it's in that Square Enix collective thing where they like uh, they're right. like indie label. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Cool. Yeah, I recommend it. They're apparently going to do ranked seasons, so that would be cool if it picks up some steam and has that. Yeah. Um, with all of that said, let's talk a little bit about news. Yeah. Um, the news. We'll get the most important story out of the way first. Uh, the froggy chair is finally oh. here. <laughs> yes. It's finally arrived for God. everyone. Starting the show with a showstopper. <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's, talk about games as art. Froggy now chair. We froggy have chair. a froggy chair. <laughs> uh, and there was a New Horizons Direct. Um, there was, the, 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 it's generally, I didn't watch it, but it me, seems like people are positive on a lot of the stuff. Yeah, in yeah I think that, like, following people who are very, very into Animal, Cro- uh, Animal Crossing to the point where it's like, uh, you know they've played thousands of hours of this game and and are they still play it every single day. They of are this, extremely this positive. Game? Like oh, of this it, game or mm-hmm. Animal Crossing in general? Mm-hmm. No, this I, game. I think I think both wow. too. Like because yeah, because but, a lot of the, the the additions are like people are like this is exactly what I wanted from pe- this kind yeah. of direct. So people, people are jazzed. People play New Horizons like Destiny, like every oh. single day. Yeah, without, and, for an hour or two a day at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then um, people are like, this is, this is like a, a significant addition of content before you even get to um, paid DLC, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But it, it looks like yeah, there's just sure. quite a bit of additional stuff that people are just super jazzed about. And it just happens to be including the froggy chair, which is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other, um, other than the froggy chair, what are some of the hits? Like I, I, I didn't watch um, the event, so. Gyroids are back. Let me just. Oh yeah. See. Do they still uh, wiggle around? I think so. Too. I mean, they'd have to. Why even do it? Yeah. yeah. Um. So they have people can come over to your your stuff. You can. Uh, they're adding uh, sh- shops to Harv's Island, which is a thing. Um, Brewsters is added. Uh, there's cooking now. You can farm now. Um. There's a uh, group yoga, like group stretching, which you can do with your like. <laughs> That's like, very good with motions. So it's like it's very cute. I'm shocked uh, that farming wasn't a thing already. Yeah, yeah. But it, they're they're doing that. So there's just like a whole lot of um, speci- a, a whole lot of content, and people who are big on Animal Crossing are like, this is exactly what we wanted. So it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of nice to see. That it looks like they uh, got what they wanted from from this. Update. Yeah, I mean, some of and the critiques of that game was that that I remember from more hardcore Animal Crossing fans was like, "Hey, there's not enough here happening." Yeah. From day to day, like it almost feels like what Nintendo kind of um those old those past games had to have everything in them because DLC wasn't really an option in the same way so it Mm -hmm. sort of had to be like it had to have years of content built into them that would kind of trickle out over over your playtime. whereas this game it's almost feels like they were like well we can add stuff after the game comes out and then they didn't for months uh and it kind of seemed a little 
dry from a content perspective. Yeah, mm. and it seems like a lot of the things that people are saying, well, I like New Horizons, but it would be nice if they added this, like that they they took all of that and went yes, and then they added cool. all of that, which is which is really nifty and uh happy and, for but- Animal Crossing fans. I'm going to pick up my the game for the first time in several months, if not <laughs> almost a year at this point. Uh yeah. and um get that froggy chair. Get that froggy they, chair and it, have my villagers be like, Allison, where have you been? We missed you. <laughs> then you see, what's her name, Anka or whatever, and then you're just like extremely awkward because you've seen those TikTok videos. Um, oh my God. But uh, so ha- have they explicitly said that this is like the last update for this game? They said this is the first, last like major update. So that they're okay. not like, this is not like the last update but this is like here we're putting this is the last like major content change this feels like nintendo a very nintendo way of saying don't ask us for more we'll decide if we want to make more or not (laughs) honestly probably yeah this feels like like here's what you asked for don't ask us for anything else ever again Mm mm-hmm and like, I mean, people who <laughs> people who are fans of Animal Crossing are, are generally just so I don't know, but yeah, it does feel like That's funny though. It, yeah, but like this is this looks like it's a pretty significant update. There's a lot of people who like have se- significantly optimized their islands to the point where like mine looks like a piece of shit compared to theirs, it, <laughs> and uh, they're like. Now I have to redo my whole fucking island because they're adding farming and I need a farm on my island. And I'm like, man, my my island is like jank compared You're to You're just ahead of the curve. You're ready for farming. Exactly. Already. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I was leaving stuff open for farming. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, You're making, also making this, use of the space. Is yes. the expansion actually $50 or is that just for the So, no, you can 20, you can buy right? the DLC tw- for $25. Yeah, um, but if you're if you're doing the it's free if you do the Nintendo expansion online whatever no, they call free. it. Um free. Is, is that <laughs> so what I want to know is if you buy the $50 pass for Nintendo online and then the next year you're like I don't want this anymore. Do you still get to keep I the Animal Crossing know. DLC? See, that's a good question. Because like, because if, if it so, if, if you got to keep it, then I'd be like, well, of course I'm doing the online because I'm I'm looking to buy this, and it's like just yeah. it's additional thirty bucks for online. Yeah. So it's like okay, it's thirty bucks. The DLC is twenty five, so it's like you know it, it makes sense, but also. But if you lose access to that DLC after the year is up, then that seems fucked. Yeah, like, that's that's kind of how it works with PlayStation Plus, right? Because anything yeah, you get is, from yeah. a, from PlayStation Plus, if your membership lapses and you try and play it, then it's like, okay, you don't have access to this anymore. Either re up or pay for the game or whatever. Yeah, um, it's yeah, well, and the DLC know. it seems to be mostly like basically, and it, it's basically Happy Home Designer, the 3DS game, but in New Horizons. Which, so it's which was kind a, of like. Which was a bad standalone game, but seems like it would be great integrated into an actual Animal Crossing game. See, that's that's what I've seen. It's like people are like, "This is what we wanted from Happy Home Designers to have it be integrated." So I yeah. think, um, so, but I, I, that's an interesting question, and I, yeah, I don't know, yeah, but I don't know. Otherwise, like, 
whatever. I don't. It seems like Nintendo is in a position similar to Disney in that when Disney Plus was announced, I was just like, well, this is just going to be in my budget. I'm never going to not have the thing that lets me watch the Star Wars and the Marvel stuff. Okay, I Uh, found an answer to that question. Okay. Okay. Uh, If you buy the DLC through the Switch Online subscription and then later cancel the subscription, you won't lose access to the new furniture, walls, lighting, soundscapes. You won't be able to visit the um, place where you've built these. But um, (laughs) fuck off! So the data will still be there, but no, I mean, but you'll, but you'll be like the the stuff that you've unlocked for like the main island. You can still use. Yeah, but you don't. So really. If you're a hardcore Animal Crossing person, what you really need to do is pay $75 so that you have the DLC forever. I mean, I guess you could pay 50 and then 25 later if you don't want to keep the, the thing. But, like, yep, this that, is a very Nintendo solution. And it yeah, feels... but you're, like, but basically from what I see, it's like you're able to take the furniture that you've remodeled, yeah. basically remodeled the homes with bring it to your main island and all of that will still be there. You just won't be able to basically the idea is that these are like vacation homes for your villagers. Yeah. So I get you it. can't visit the vacation homes anymore. It just is such a weird. I just, it's such a weird way to do it. Why not just say, look, it's amazing. We're going to be able to fleece you for 50 bucks at all. Have the DLC just to keep it like, come on, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, I mean, okay, from Nintendo's perspective, I kind of get it in one ve- one very particular sense to devil's advocate them, and that's like, uh, if you are no longer a member, you no longer get access to like those emulated N sixty four and SNES games. And if they're thinking of it that way, I guess. But it's still very stupid. The difference is that they're selling the DLC also yep. as a $25 standalone thing. Yep. So no, I agree. my perspective on it is <laughs> what you're telling me is I can either buy this thing for 25 bucks, and then I've paid 45 for Switch Online and this DLC this year, and then I have the DLC forever and next year i only have to pay 20 or i can pay you 50 dollars for the privilege of also playing some n64 and genesis games this year and then next year when i go oh turns out you only added like four of each of those i know they've announced more than that but 10 of those and they're not the ones i want and you didn't and instead of putting ocarina of time on here i can't again maybe ocarina of time is part of the list but the game that I want, you actually put out in a limited time bundle for $85 instead of <laughs> like putting, giving it to me in, in this subscription. Forget this. Oh shit. Now I got to pay $25 to buy the animal. Crossing. It just is so, it just is so not friendly to consumers. In my opinion, I don't get why they have to be so all of the content sounds good. I'm not shitting on them from like a, a, a like, it's it's Content just kind of a it's kind of a bizarre way of doing it, and I yeah. per, for personally as somebody that uses my Switch more than pretty much any other gaming device, I I'm like oh well this is a no brainer for me because I'm I'm interested in playing that, and then also I'm I'm sure that whatever whatever they keep adding to that expansion pack it will probably be something I'm interested in, but like 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 we were talking about like if you're interested in only like 
a handful of things for it. It's it's just really not worth it. Well, and it it feels like I, I got to pull up the list of what the N64 games that are coming are, because it feels like if you are just looking at this from like my perspective, I loved my N64. That was like my first console console because we just had P- I've been playing video games longer than the N64 was around, but we had PCs. We didn't ever buy an in- a game console until the N64. And if if you're like, hey, for fifty dollars a year, you can play N sixty four games on your Switch, that sounds really. A, that's I'm like, well, I'd rather just buy them one by one. But whatever, that's a great addition to the service. It makes sense that you would charge more for it. But when it's gonna be the games that they're gonna put out for it, like, come on, like the N sixty four games available at launch, Doctor Mario sixty four, okay, good game. good game, Mario Kart sixty four. Okay, yeah, yeah, good game. Pretty good, pretty good game. Mario Tennis, good yeah. game. Sin and Punishment. Star Fox 64, Super Mario 64, Ocarina of Time, Winback, Yoshi's Story. Winback Win Back is very funny. Yes, Winback is coming to this for some reason. <laughs> okay. Like, is that a list of really good games? Yes. Like, like pretty much all of those are good games. It, it's It's... A list of definitive first party games for the N64 for and Winback. And Winback. The thing that is kind of a little bit bizarre for me, and I'm not sure why if if, if this is true, this is I'm not I'm not sure why. Apparently, um a uh pretty proven Nintendo leaker is saying that the likely reason for the cost is the licensing costs for the Genesis stuff. And if that's the case, why have the fucking Genesis stuff in there? I don't like, give a shit about this. Like, okay. like, and I know I, a lot of people do, be, but because like, I like, there are so many Genesis compilations out there. I yeah, have one exactly. for the, I have one for the switch that has more games yeah. than that. So it's like, it's, it's like, if, if that's it's, the case, then it's like, what, how, to what extent does having Sonic two, make justify like a significantly higher cost when you can play stuff like that or like echo the dolphin anywhere. And there's yeah. like a million different compilations, Genesis game compilations that are for sale on like literally every single console device. Yeah. Yeah. But like the, and the, the, the question for me is like, in my opinion, I do pay for Nintendo online and so switch online. I think it's kind of a mediocre service, but I do because it's it's what twenty bucks a year. Now yeah. they've more than doubled the price of it, and I don't feel like what they've added really makes That's it what I'm significantly better. Yeah, it's like one of those things where I'm going to get it because like I, I'm interested in that DLC. I'm interested in the Nintendo sixty four games. I'm yeah. a sucker for. I'm a Nintendo sucker so i'm like i'll do that but like okay. for, for, but if you're not at that same position where you're like okay i love nintendo 64 games i love animal i'm really want to play that animal crossing dlc so it'll it's worth it but like how many people are in that exact kind of yeah uh, yeah I, like the, where, where it's worth th- that 30 dollars additional only- the only cases I can really see, I've heard people say that the family deal seems like it's actually a pretty good deal because you essentially get like, I forget, like five of these memberships. Uh, yeah, for, for 80? And, 
or yeah, something like that. I, I don't remember the exact details, but yeah, uh, the, o- the, the only other reason I can see is if they make like a super Mario 64 99, like, you know, like one of those Tetris well, 99 or yeah, Mario 35. I guess that's but the like thing with is N64 bring back Mario 35. Let's be honest, but. 20 bucks. If the, my feeling on it is like I pay, um, for game pass ultimate, I think I, I think my, it runs out what I had. I got a ton of that time from having yeah. Xbox all access, but still I'd be oh, paying sure. 15 bucks a month for game pass ultimate. No problem because it includes PC game pass, console game pass and Xbox live, which I don't really use that much these days, but you never know. Um, sure. and so cool. Fine. PlayStation plus it's kind of like, it's not great that I have to pay 60 bucks a year or whatever for, access to PlayStation plus just to play games online, but Hey, you get games with it too. And there's a pretty big library there and et cetera, et cetera. Um, the base Nintendo switch online. Yeah. 20 bucks a year to access their online services. Fine. Do I plus use my switch that often? games or SNES games too? Yeah. Like, and, and, and those and things have... were like a good boost. They were like a good yeah. bonus. To have right. Yeah. Like it's like you're paying for online it's, it's, and then you get that stuff. You get Tetris 99. Yeah. Like it's, I feel like it's, it's, it's not what you were subscribing deal. for. Right. right. Well, no. I mean, I, I like having that because I think that they've they've done a good job of adding interesting NES and SNES games. Yeah. And granted, I haven't sure. played a ton of that, but if you like retro games, like I, I, I feel like you could spend like I, th- like have a like a great Switch experience where you didn't buy very many games and you just played that. And 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 what they did stuff. was Game Pass is good whether you like playing games online or not because it comes with all these games. PlayStation Plus is good whether you like playing games online or not because you get games every month. Nintendo Online, good if you like playing games online or not because if you're into wanting the SNES stuff, then you get it. If it, And it's 20 bucks a year. But having a $30 online expansion where it's you're paying an additional $30 and the only thing it's adding is... Like, I would pay games. 10 bucks for any of these N64 games, but... I don't want to have to pay in perpetuity to access Star Fox 64. I would pay a dumb amount of money that nobody would else also pay so that I could play Paper Mario on my Switch. Paper Mario, like OG Paper Mario. Yeah. But it's like, but it's tying it to this is very weird. Um, I I think the one thing that is the, like, at, at the very least, and this is like small justification, is... At least it's like an expansion and they're not just going like, hey, sure. online's 50 bucks I now. Agree. That would have made uh, it worse. That would have made it yeah. worse. But at the same time, it's like, again, like small uh, victory but, there where it's like if, you know, you can still do the online stuff and still get all of that stuff without adding this. But like uh, it's, it's to weird. some degree, though, even though if they were just like, look, we have to increase the price of Nintendo online because in order to justify doing it, we have to increase the price. And here's some stuff we're giving you to improve the value for you. While I don't want, while I like this more because I don't give a shit about this stuff and I don't want to have to pay $50 a year, it would almost make more sense to me if I were a a regular switch user than this weird, like, well, you can get the baby edition where you don't get anything or you can pay $50 and play (laughs) Star Fox 64 it's called like, the baby sure. edition. Xbox it. Live That's Silver weird. versus Xbox Live Gold. I mean, yeah, I, I feel know. like it's personally, weird. again, as a as a 
Nintendo apologist, I get more value from this than from PlayStation Plus. Personally, um, just sure. because a lot of the games, yeah. I'm, if I'm interested in a game for PlayStation, I'll usually already either already have it. And it's very rare that like the PlayStation Plus games are more than like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I'll give it a shot. It, like, it's- personally... There's like rarely game of like oh man that's like exactly the game that's, I that's the same for me the, for sure the, the, not but, since not since Journey came out like a week earlier on PlayStation Plus and that was like ten years ago <laughs> right so it's like so personally but at the same time like there's diff like again that's personal preference too in terms of I spend too much money on video games so. Um, I forget to I, redeem stuff on PS Plus sometimes. Oh, me too. <laughs> me too. I'm like, that was on PS Plus. I'm like, well, I probably didn't redeem it. Um, yeah. No, I, I absolutely do too. And it's very, like, I feel like the couple of games that I have redeemed and actually played are, like, weird indie games that I'm like, that looks kind of interesting. Like, uh, yeah, I played too much of Tricky Towers, which was I got from PS Plus. Um, but... Yeah. Anyway, but, uh, we, anyways, it's it's uh, I don't know. We can move on. We talked about it for like half an hour. I know. <laughs> honestly, chair. It's froggy chair. Froggy chair. It's well, an interesting we got, Nintendo being Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, yeah. I mean, yeah. like I love Nintendo, but again, it's like one step forward, two steps back with them, or one yes. step forward, one step back. That are kind of like <laughs> That's treading really the best way to put space. it. Yeah, and you're just like, okay, I guess yeah. it's just weird. Sure. It's. I'm uh, gonna say the same thing I've said for years at this point that Nintendo continues to just bumble along, doing Nintendo things, and they're gonna well, be successful for all time. <laughs> except, I don't think this is bumbling. I think this is very calculated. I think this is. Yeah. No, a you're fucking right. Course but, people will oh, pay absolutely. thirty dollars a year to play Star Fox, and, and like, they know it, and they want. They're actually gonna make a shitload of money on this. Yeah, uh, and I and I'm enabling it because. Well, I, I mean, a lot of people absolutely. do. <laughs> it's like I said. It's like I said with Disney Plus. I, I mean, I get it because while I am not gonna pay thirty dollars for their thing, um, I just. Disney Plus was announced, and I was like, yep, well, I'm going to pay for that forever. Oh, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, of course, I want to be able to watch all of the Marvel movies and all of the Star Wars movies in one place. Right. So It's like, yeah, it's like, I, I, I might say, fuck you, Disney, but I, yeah. I pay for Disney Plus every month, and I saw Jungle Cruise in tw- theater twice. Yeah. So it's like, uh, you know, I, yeah. I, you know, I say, fuck you, Disney, but I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, there's a new Star Wars anime thing. And so it's like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. We're anyway. at that point where it's like... <laughs> In cooler news, uh, well, I don't know. The Animal Crossing stuff is cool, so I don't mean to say it's not. But Uh, I um, mean, it's Nintendo being Nintendo. We've got some Microsoft uh, is doing some work to try to support Right for Repair, Right to Repair. um, Oh, that's awesome. I just had a conversation about this with with a colleague yesterday, um, which I think is... um, Potentially very cool the way they're making devices easier to open up and repair, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you read? Is, have Have you read why they're doing it? Um. No. Yeah. I'm it's looking at the article right now. Yeah. Uh, One of the core reasons that they're citing is that they want to do it for. Uh, they're essentially setting up a study uh, to evaluate environmental impact of device repairability, so that rather than People just, you know, like having like iPhone is a primary example of this where Apple does not want you opening it up and fixing stuff. So what people do 
is they throw them in the garbage or right. like you it, like they or you know they hold on to it and then eventually the battery dies or explodes or something and well, then it becomes e waste. Yeah, or it's like or it's just a yeah, like I I definitely have a couple of devices lying around my apartment where it's like, well, it would be a pain to get rid of, but also like it's no use to anybody, but yeah. well, or like unfortunately you have to like I had some monitors I need to recycle. Currently, it's going to cost around $200 for me to recycle them. Right. Because it's so fucking expensive to recycle electronics. And it's oh, like, yeah. And dude, so it's like, there's no, there's no incentive to do it because it's like, well, yeah. like, I mean, they're, sitting in, my, like, they're yeah. sitting in my closet, but what I want to do is throw them in a dumpster. Cause I'm like, I don't want to pay $200 to get rid of this junk. Yeah. I but, have yeah. like, I have like, like two laptops ago, I have it hanging out in my apartment. And yeah. I'm like, I'm not saying like, I'm going to throw them away, by the way. I'm just saying, well, I mean, it's, but it's, it's like, frustrating. Yeah. It's it's annoying, yeah. and like I personally, my my console, um, you know, thing, like with um, like my old PlayStation consoles, I tend to give them to my sibling because it's like, hey, they get they upgraded to a PS4 now, and they don't you know have to pay for it. But it's like yeah. if I didn't have my sibling to to give my old consoles to, it's like, what would I even? What I would probably just dump it because it's like a lot of space and yeah and like apartment space and my my apartment's small so it's like i don't want extra consoles hanging around and yep and like i still have all of my old cell phones and stuff like that oh yeah like 10 years ago and stuff like pretty sure i have like a samsung galaxy s2 somewhere (laughs) somewhere sounds about right with my stuff where i'm just like I need to find a way to get rid of that, man. Yeah. So, but yeah. like, yeah. So I think it's a really positive thing, uh, especially for game consoles, frankly, because game oh, consoles yeah. tend to get a lot of use and they get a lot of use over a lot of years and components like, yes, components are designed to last a long time, but nothing like everything eventually dies. Like nothing is infallible. So like being able to replace a capacitor, like the, the original Xbox, there was a bunch of series, uh, sorry, not series, um, like uh, revisions where there was a capacitor that just would explode if, mm-hmm. if like you didn't touch it. And uh, like Microsoft, well, Microsoft kind of addressed it and told them, okay, this is the part number you can replace it with, which is good. And people just stock that replacement part forever. And it's just like, yeah, here's a design schematic, go in there, replace it. And you can continue using your original Xbox for another 20 years. And that's a positive thing because like, if you basically want to have your consoles functionality that it had, you know, when you opened the box the first time, because that does degrade over time, then having the ability to do so and have it be officially supported rather than feeling like you're voiding a warranty by opening it up. Like that's hugely now, positive. On that note, the thing I was talking to a colleague about, uh, the flip side of this is modding. Y- you need to understand <laughs> that if you break something, that's yours. Oh, yeah. Like that's yeah. that's the problem that that we run into um, in yeah. the industry that I work in is we get cited right to repair laws a lot on things in different states, and it's like, well, the product I purchased from you wasn't working, so I and explicitly. They're products that are engineered and designed to not be taken apart even by technicians. But person takes it apart anyway in such a way that it cannot be put back together to be functional again. And then they say, well, right to repair. I had I had a right to open it up and try to repair it myself. 
now that I haven't, you need to give me a new product because it's broken right. now. And you can't fix it, but it's under warranty. And the law says you still have to service the warranty. So keep like I think it's going to be really interesting to see as this stuff propagates. At a core, at a base level, I think it's extremely positive. But the yeah. ways in which it it's one of those things that I'm my con- I am concerned that like there's so many things that I believe in as being the right way forward. But then when you put them in the hands of society at large, they're like, well, we're going to fuck it up and make it worse for everybody because we can't just be chill and cool. (laughs) Right. Cause like, Uh, I know enough, I know enough to know that I should not be opening up hardware myself. And that if I, if, if I had something like this, that I would take it to like a repair shop or something. Um, but like, but like also there are going to be plenty of people who go, no, I can do this. Like I talk to people every day where they're like doing what? Cause like I work for, for the city and like I talk to people every single day where they're doing like these giant construction projects on their own. I'm like, probably shouldn't actually, <laughs> um, you know, you should yeah. probably hire somebody to like do your whole fucking roof or whatever. But it's like yeah. people like, are, if, if people say like you can do it on your own, people are going to take that to the extreme. Yeah, like right. I, I think there's definitely cases to be made for things like how um, if someone solders something incorrectly and they cause a short and all of a sudden this thing catches on fire, like, you know, that's not great. And sure, like you should have at least some amount of competency with or proficiency, I think is probably a better word, a proficiency yeah. with using the tools in play to be able to do this. But like, at the same time, like, um, I think, I think I actually also heard this on the next line of podcast. They were talking about like back, back in the nineties, like that, that song from that show, uh, back in the nineties, they like, you would go around the corner and you would have like a VCR repair shop, you know, like, like those existed back in the nineties when this was a thing, but you don't so much get that. Like you kind of get the like phone repair shops now, kind of where you get like, but that's mostly officially screen breaks and you don't want to pay for a new phone exactly and it, and what they're doing often isn't really like intricate solders it's more like the replacing modular parts and they are certified to have those parts by apple and it's just a Samsung, business whoever. arrangement it's it, not exactly that they're particularly proficient it's just that right. they pay yeah. for the license to be allowed to it, do it totally like it's the kind of thing where if you as an individual could pay for a new camera for your phone you could totally replace that, but you yeah. can't. And if you try to purchase those parts from those places, they lose their license and now they don't don't have a business anymore because Apple and, and yeah. those people actively discourage them from and doing it. That's the part of right to repair that I whole, wholeheartedly support is finding a way to find a middle ground where we can rebuild that infrastructure of having people whose jobs it is to fix things and people having access to them for affordable prices and not having to just buy something new so that it doesn't just get thrown away, but also mm. not look at it as the situation that a lot of places are in now, not a lot of places, some places and the laws oftentimes they can't get a, it, it, you're protected as a business selling the stuff too, where it's like, well, I'm going to try to fuck this up myself first. And if I can't <laughs> fix it, then I'll send it back to where I bought it from and they'll have to yeah. get me a new one. I think that 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 is a scenario that and, and should, I, I mean like 
I yeah no f that assuming that would be dumb <laughs> some a company like Microsoft like they you know that if they're doing this they are like having like a million lawyers look at this and going like what is oh, going to be for sure but but also I but, I personally as, again as somebody that is like the first uh, line of uh, answering questions I I feel for the customer yeah. support people who I, have to deal yeah. with that I, but <laughs> have, like have, no you can't do that. Are are y'all familiar with uh, the Fairphone? Uh, vaguely. Yeah, the, vaguely, the, yeah, yeah. The or Fairphone that... four four just came out or is coming out very soon. I forget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pre order now, so it's coming out very soon. Where it is a modular phone where mm-hmm. you can take yeah. the backplate off, you can replace uh, like pretty much everything with modular parts that you get directly from them, and if things started getting designed in that way that would be a really great middle ground in my opinion yeah it's just finding that middle ground i think it's um right to repair falls into a similar uh wildly different thing but it falls into similar places as like self-driving cars for example as being something like if enthusiasts are getting self-driving cars they're probably also paying very close attention to the operation of it and it's more just a like I'm interested in in helping to develop this technology. I'm not buying. I'm not using a self driving car so I can take a nap on my commute. It's when it gets into the hands of people who are taking naps on their commute that it's like, okay, well now the self driving car is running into people because <laughs> the AI is not quite there yet, and it really still no. needs somebody to pay attention and babysit it. And yep. you're not doing that. Right to repair is a similar thing where like someone who's buying a Fairphone, perfect. That's like such a cool community of people who genuinely are invested in. And if they do break their camera while they're installing a new one, they're probably not going to go to Fairphone and go, well, you got to give me a new camera now. Instead, they're probably going to go, oh, shoot, I did this. I got to well, get another yeah, one. Yeah, the type of people the, the, who buy Fairphone are like the uh, people who are really invested in it and like enthusiastic about it. Whereas like, sure. you, I, but I mean... But, the, the the modules for Fairphone, you're not soldering. It's very much like putting no, together I, a modern yeah. a modern PC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's so like I think that becomes the nice middle ground is if you're not having to recap something, like take out the capacitors and resolder them in and add add in resistors and stuff like that, and have to understand how all the ohms interact with each other in your you know amperage and all that kind of shit. Like you're not having to do this with a multimeter. If you're literally just like kind of like pulling out your graphics card and putting in a new one or RAM slotting in a new one. And that makes and that it becomes easier. It, I, I think that would be a really totally. nice Totally. And that really makes nice it easier it. for if, if NVIDIA, if you like have stems snapped off of your video card and then you try to RMA it, NVIDIA can go like, bro. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, totally. And in closing, I want to share with you the tick, not actually share it, but I saw a TikTok that was a person going, um, my son's grounded. So I, I told, I pulled his video card out of his PC. Ha ha ha. And it was a delitted CPU and not actually a video card. <laughs> oh, it was a joke. I don't Ow. think, I think they knew what they oh, were doing. If that was real, <laughs> a delitted CPU, that would be rough. <laughs> One of my uh, friends, one of my friends accidentally, his, his thermal paste was so like, Oh no, like caked it on. was like so caked on and stuck that when he tried to remove the cooling unit, it deleted the CPU. Dang, those pins are holding on hard then. <laughs> it, uh, it, he, he was fine. He fixed it. He, 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 yeah. he eventually used some, um, some solution to get the, the, the paste 
off and to to clean it and everything and just managed to keep the the pins really clean and safe so that's amazing it was fine but i hey, we if... were like he was like is this supposed to look like this we were like no it is not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like well that's the kind of thing where it's like well now you may as well try liquid cool or uh metal liquid metal cooling yeah <laughs> you've already delitted it <laughs> anyways uh it's cool i hope that right to repair stuff happens and this happens with microsoft because they are a huge player and oh totally if it like one of the biggest players and if they normalize it and they exert their influence and i think the environmental reasons are completely valid then hey there's nothing yeah. negative there yep agreed absolutely um we can add a well we gotta hit the accelerator a little bit on some of these because i think we could have a half hour conversation about each of the uh-huh. news stories that's coming up but um Steam's not is no longer will or will not no, it's not no longer will not allow games which rely on crypto NFTs or blockchain. Yep. Um, the it's deeper cool. discussion to be had about blockchain and new work distribution methodologies that are don't lean on proof of work. There's a potential for blockchain to, to, to me yeah. as someone. I think crypto crypto and NFTs I think are a blight That's, on society. So I'm not talking about that. Um, yep. There are there are certain. Um, new ideas about blockchain management that uh, would lead to much less disastrous environmental implications that Mm. I hope are adopted. And I hope the proof is in the pudding and down the line, I will say that like, if you are a crypto advocate and you're screaming, well, the blockchain is going to get better, do the fucking work first. And then maybe we can talk like as it stands, proof of work is still the prevailing methodology behind like, blockchain work as far as i know um yeah so like blockchain as a technology and we've talked about this um blockchain as a technology is not something that needs to be bastardized and needs to be made out to be like some evil boogeyman like it it in and of itself is not particularly scary it's the applications with things like crypto and nfts that make it shitty and uh unfortunately those like you said those are kind of the driving force behind a lot like like blockchain is the driving force behind all of those so it kind of ends up being kind of recursive upon itself where you know yeah. a lot of changes in blockchain come from crypto and nfts unfortunately they are i mean you could kind of say like is in a similar way where you could say like well computers are bad because crypto is bad it, eh, it's, it's not the way it's, true. it's, it's like the you, way you, you could say yeah. like a postgres database is evil because some white nationalist website used a postgres database like right no um, that doesn't make postgres as a database evil it's it was an evil evil application of the technology and and i just think but but i also think like what i tend to see in crypto communities that respond to this thing it's like if you say nfts have the potential to destroy the environment then some crypto bro comes in and writes like a 10 tweet thread about how you're wrong. And it's like, okay, the bottom line is there are still farms in Northern California running a thousand video cards in a warehouse. Yep. And until that stops, yeah. none of what you're saying makes any fucking difference. Yep. So. And, it's, and people are who are like, totally. people who are, you say that and they're like, well, actually, it's only Ethereum well, that's the worst. Actually. And it's like, yeah, but it's like, uh, also, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, that's that's the most common crypto. NFT for crypto for NFT. So it's like <laughs> cryptocurrency is a fiat currency that's not based on any real value. <laughs> it, and it's, yeah. it's, it's, I find. <laughs> 
So the, it's which is why I, we can clean. use it for money laundering. <laughs> Not to suggest yeah. anything, but I've definitely and, seen a lot of discourse about uh, NFTs being this like yeah like, perfect fun. Like, well, don't even get me fucking started. So go NFT. Okay, <laughs> I think I think we on this podcast, especially as a whole, can agree NFTs are fucking stupid as shit. Yes, oh my like God. especially no, no. especially their current application. It's just stupid oh, as shit. So, I can see. Okay. I can see. Sorry, go for it. Oh, this is completely irrelevant. But why is it <laughs> that ninety nine percent of the NFTs you see are just like hideous? Oh yeah, they look fucking <laughs> atrocious. Oh, it's a cash grab. It's a pyramid scheme. Cash grab. It's just a way. It's like, to get it's like you to... see. You see. It's like oh, this like uh, ugliest avatar, and you're like, you paid a million dollars for that. And again, I know it's a cash grab, but at the same time, I'm like, you think that you could have better aesthetics for your nfts rather than like i don't know some really shitty uh like character creator that was put on random and they go here you go pay a thousand million bucks for this it's garbo which is which is dumb like so yeah nfts stupid as shit i don't think there's any real reason for them to exist i can understand the appeal of crypto like i think it's a really fascinating application of blockchain technology but i think the execution as it is currently is the worst and the impact it's having on the world is the worst but i i from 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 a critical technology standpoint i do think it's kind of cool but sure it's just it like like that's purely looking at it as like a concept I think, rather than how it how it has actually manifested which I is think a it's nightmare cool to shoot, i think it's cool to shoot rockets in the space into space but it's a complete waste of resources to do it to so that sure. jeff bezos can see the curvature of the earth like right it's like <laughs> sure, uh, i think sure. that there's in i i i think crypto can be interesting and you know it's something that i i i'm interested like like for example, like I think that most NFT, like most if not all NFTs, are um, frankly stupid and like not imp- like important. But I, I like reading about it. I think it's interesting. But at the same time, something well, can be interesting without having I don't know everybody jump into it. It, right it now. just takes one sure. piece of legislation for the the hundreds of millions of dollars that some people are invested into crypto to just like. Poof. disappear yeah well i mean china's, I just, already, like, china's already started on that so yeah and and to be honest with you i think that is i think it should be regulated and i think that the fact that regulating it will cause the value to go into the toilet is a perfect example of why it's not a good it's not a good thing to be in the place that it's in i'll I agree. i'll say like um to kind of um I guess compromise or whatever. Like there was early on in the crypto thing, there was a trading card game, a digital trading card game that was coming out that was like, Hey, look, this game uses the blockchain in order to make each card unique, even though there can be lots of copies of them. So it's similar to a physical trading card game in that your copy of this card is yours. And you can sell it to somebody else in the same way that you would sell a physical magic card. I think that was a really interesting way to do it. And it was still, it wasn't um, like you were mining for cards. That wasn't what you were doing. You were buying packs of cards from the company that made the game. And it was for fairly comparable prices to things like Hearthstone. It wasn't like they were jacking the prices up into the stratosphere because the cards were, 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 were on the blockchain. 
but I think that was like a cool, interesting application yeah. of the technology yeah. to say like this is a clo- this is like a sort of a closed marketplace of like your your cards have value in even mm-hmm. though it's not like Hearthstone where it's just like oh well, I got a fourth of this legendary card so it just gets dusted into half the dust I need to craft a different legendary. It was like no right. no I got this extra card I don't need now I can sell it for twenty dollars. That's cool. Um, and yeah. I don't necessarily have a problem with that kind of concept, but like. <laughs> It being yeah. an international monetary system that is not backed by any government or like any real yeah. good is like, so, come on. <laughs> yeah. And with all of that being said, I think Steam taking a hardline stance on not allowing crypto and NFTs, it's, I'm with you. I'm, that's yeah, fine. It's great. It's cool. Yeah, I think I, it's, it's a positive banning, banning blockchain, eh, whatever. But I think I, that it makes sense for now, though. I mean, like, I yeah. think that in the yeah. future you could have interesting games with blockchain but like for now when it's so harmful as it is at this point saying like no we're not gonna have that um you could definitely still revisit it it's not like it's forever but it's like saying right now there's a permanent ban on uh, nfts crypto and blockchain but classic tim sweeneyism he said he he was like two weeks ago he was like nah fuck all this and then steam said something and because Basically, Tim Sweeney's whole existence is to just say, the big guys are doing it, so we're not gonna, or the big guys won't let you, so we will, and also be a huge fucking nerd on Twitter about it, and <laughs> obfuscate the fact that his company makes billions of dollars, and yep. <laughs> they are not the little yeah. guy. <laughs> so, yeah, so basically Tim Sweeney was like, yeah, Epic's open to it. <laughs> Just in like, Yeah, no, after like, li- no. like he, he, literally he three, had, yeah. three, yeah. three weeks, weeks ago, ago, he was like, he was like, oh, what was it? No, nah, he's like, no, we're not going to get into that. It. Let me give me a second. I'll see if I can pull up exactly what he said earlier. It was if I recall, what stupid. he said three weeks ago was that Epic's not interested in NFTs in particular, and I believe that yes. what he's what their stance is is that is that that they're open to blockchain. Quote, uh, yes. Quote: We yeah. aren't touching NFTs as the whole field is currently tangled up with an uh, intractable mix of scams, interesting decentralized tech foundations, and scams. Uh, that's what he said a few weeks ago, and then now he's like, "Hey, NFTs seem pretty fucking cool, huh?" <laughs> yeah, it's it's so, weird. I don't know. It's anyways, whatever. Whatever. We can it, move on. I, I've I've I, what I'll say is I used to be, and I still am from a culture war perspective. I used to be like kind of clown on people who wouldn't buy a game because it was on Epic, because I was like, "Come on, like get over the 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 whatever." Now I won't do it, but it's not because I have some like boycott of epic going on it's more just because their store is so incredibly bad it i don't is. ever want to have to launch it again anytime it anytime so the bad. epic thing pops up on my on my screen i'm like stop it Chival- i'm just like stop yep. doing that chivalry now. 2 is one of my favorite games of the year and you still can't reliably play in parties because it's built on epic's um friend system and it's completely broken and like torn mm-hmm. banner won't point the finger at epic because they don't want to get they don't want to ruin for that it. relationship, right? But I'm pretty sure that's the problem as an amateur, not knowing that much about network infrastructure, but it works fine on consoles. Like the party system is great on PlayStation and Xbox, yeah. but it uh, we, doesn't work at all on PC. Yeah, <laughs> and we they could go definitely, through Epic. We could definitely dive into that, but maybe another time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what I'm, I'll be interested to see when it comes out on Steam next year where I'm going to yeah. buy the fucking Gen and treat it like it's the first release of it if it'll work better. <laughs> Because, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. Um, Anyways. There was some talk about Metroid Dread emulation. I feel like it's a another 
big topic that oh we could talk about this for an an actual hour holy shit yeah um people are mad that people were emulating it because people were mad people were mad yeah people were mad people were mad and then you know there was what was the the article i saw i saw another shoot another kotaku article i think it was that was about metroid oh about credits um there was uh oh god right yeah. There's um Oh there, god, I saw that. I was that's that's yeah, that's shitty. That, that, that was denying yeah. people credits for their work is is horrible. Yeah, yeah. And, and and there was like a there was some disconnect between people who were like mad that people were emulating the game but then also didn't want to be critical of Nintendo for the stuff with the credits and it's like, "Okay, so what you're telling me is you're just caping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair uh, and like, and like there was yeah. also, there was other reports that came out about how Mercury steam was like kind of a pretty toxic place to be working in general. Yeah. So yeah, like, it, it was a, it was, there was a lot of discourse this week. I what don't I th- know if we can cover all of it. <laughs> no, but I do think my stance, I'll say personally, my stance on um, piracy and emulation has changed significantly over the years where, um, I still am anti-piracy from the perspective of it does harm developers. And like, yeah, I have mixed feelings on DRM because I think you see when companies release DRM free titles, people do just pirate it and it leads to like a massive decrease in sales and a lot of mid tier and smaller publishers can't afford that. So like, it doesn't make me pissed when, even though it's Microsoft, it doesn't make me pissed when Deathloop has, you know, DeNuvo or whatever it had in it for a couple months because like, if they didn't, it would get pirated. At the same time, I'm also if someone's doing cool emulation stuff with Metroid Dread because they're pulling it, yeah, you know, not like, not not to like shim the switch or anything. It sounds like it looks really good on an OLED, but I've heard yeah. when you dock Metroid Dread, it's not a good game to play on a big screen. Yeah. Like if you're yeah, like, finding ways to emulate it in a cool way, I don't think you're a monster for that. Like I think no, it's I think it's, it's, it's fascinating in some I ways. Think yeah. it's, I think you can have a measured response, which I think is where I'm at too, where it's like, yeah. on the one hand, you know, if you're doing cool stuff with it, that's cool. But on the other hand, also Metroid as a series, like, like people are, are saying like big corporations don't deserve your money, which is true. But at the same time, if you want more Metroid games, it's probably going to be beneficial to buy and, a Metroid uh-huh, game. Yeah. <laughs> I know? doubt that, like the trouble you have to go to to emulate it to me is like I don't think this is like rampant piracy it's more no, people who like, want to see it they're probably buying it on Switch anyway and then yeah like if you're buying it already I don't see the problem in, in right. doing what no. you want with it right your pair for software people, I guess to the like, point where <laughs> I've seen people say people oh, argue oh that's well a whole if, you topic. Can't, if you can't afford $60 <laughs> games that you should still be able to play the games which is like a whole thing mm. but like if you're able to but yeah but if you're able to emulate Metroid Dread on a PC you probably have a PC yeah. you, you're probably not like in a financial situation where 60 bucks is going to be Exactly. Significant yeah, issue. So, like, I mean, that, that, I mean, there could be those fringe cases where you bought like a ho- top of the line gaming PC and then lost your job or something. But you oh. really do need to have that kind of quality um, gaming PC to be able to the do that is, kind of level of at- emulation on of Metroid Dread. But yeah, well, kind of. <laughs> like, it doesn't have to be super top of the line. Like, you, you can have a two year old gaming, three year old gaming PC that's pretty, you know, 
it's modern, but it, it, it's not the top of the line. And it'll, you'll still be able to run it better than the Switch can. And I think that's the issue. Right. Is that like uh, people are wanting to play it at 60 frames per second. And the Switch isn't, isn't offering that to them. But like, right. uh, and, and like that, you don't need a beefy PC to do. But like, yeah, if you want to play it at 4K, 60 frames per second, then you need something better. And, and honestly, the f- oh, sorry, go ahead. No, please continue. I, I was going to say, I want to play Metroid Dread at some point. Um, I will probably go through some of these emulation tricks, depending on how hard they are to do it and play it on PC. But I'm going to buy yeah. it. Yeah, no, same. Right. Switch like, to do that. <laughs> I, I agree. Right, especially like, I, I think, since yeah. Metroid as a franchise, part of the reason it hasn't had many games is because sales aren't great. So it's yeah. like, so it's like you kind of like, you know, if you want more Metroid games and you like support, Metroid Dread, you should support probably support it financially. Mm, but yeah, at the absolutely. same time, and yeah. also, but also, sorry, some sorry. of the core of this discourse was that people were mad at. I can't remember if it was Polygon or Kotaku. But people were mad at the the website that ran the story about the emulation because it was like promoting piracy or something. That's which is, which just is a, ridiculous. Which is like, like shut up. It, that's the biggest of stretches. And is, then they the same people got mad at them for reporting on the credits thing. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, and also yeah, whatever. people were getting mad at Kotaku, but then they weren't getting mad at PC Gamer, and you're just like yep yeah there's some weird double standard stuff going on yeah um uh and i don't even really like kotaku and i do like pc gamer from a like where i like to read articles perspective and i can still tell you that's fucking bullshit that (laughs) yeah (laughs) well i mean to get mad at one outlet for reporting something versus yeah anyway it's 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 a it's a whole pile and support uh, support the developers except for the fact that that developer in particular seems kind of shitty in some ways but um support metroid especially and especially and, and support it, indie developers the end yeah well and yeah, also and, and it did come out uh that this was the best-selling metroid game i think either good, fastest yeah. or best i forget if it was one or both but. it's uh, also it's definitely up there keep in mind too that um like it doesn't mean that you shouldn't we shouldn't talk about and speak out about the fact that if they are toxic at Mercury Steam, that should be brought to light and interrogated and, and change should happen there. But, you know, I don't we saw the like stuff around Fulbright earlier this year, which is like Andy Darling studio yeah, and one of totally. my favorite studios. And, you know, that is a it can happen anywhere. So, yep. just, yeah, I, my my weekly reminder, like. Keep in mind that if you are going to go really fucking hard on something and you're going to make part of your identity like let's go after toxic developers, just make sure that you keep in mind that you need to very much keep your nose clean and look very closely at every piece of media you're you're consuming if you really right. want to remain consistent. Yeah. In that. Um, yeah. Totally. So, yeah, uh, I think the better my personal feeling is the better way forward is to talk about these things and engage with them when they come up and support better working conditions for people and also understand that like you can play league of legends without being a terrible person yeah. <laughs> as, as well. Um, yep. Speaking of which they removed all chat from league of legends. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't it? Okay. To my understanding, didn't they turn it into an opt in all chat anyways? Yeah. And then now they've yeah. just removed it all together. I don't know if you can turn off team chat, but you can certainly mute your whole team in about four seconds when you start a match, which is what I always do. Um, and so you can effectively turn off all chat, not just all chat, 
which is what we're talking mm. about here, which is the team-to-team communication. Every, every type of chat. Except for, <laughs> and this is why it works, except for pings, which are a much more yeah. effective and faster way of communicating in public League of Legends games anyway. So I find, I play League maybe once a month or two. I find I can play as effectively as I would if people were typing at me by turning everything off and just looking at the pings because I'm playing at like a bronze level. So um, obviously if you're playing at a high level, it's complex enough that you need to communicate. But uh, yeah. Um, And it was optional. Call your teammates Suka and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Now they've just removed all chat altogether, which I think is the right play because like league has a very toxic community because the community just can't fucking get along (laughs) no so Uh, they've removed they've been uh they've been put in timeout forever yeah yeah um speaking of mobas uh there's a new dota 2 character marcy who's a cool yeah video from the dragon's blood show yeah um i'll make sure to post that trailer there and something fun about marcy and it's causing a lot of uh discussions on popular dota 2 communities is in that show marcy is mute like she does not speak so there's like all these these thoughts of like is she going to be a purely passive skills character are silences not going to work on her because you know she's mute mm. like like the, there's talk about, talk about how that's actually going to have mechanical impl- uh, implications in which case that would be really cool that would be really be interesting cool. it's a dangerous uh thing i think because um plenty of characters have active abilities that don't involve them speaking and silence affects those abilities too so i think to use disability as a way to make one character mechanically unique you have to you're walking a fine line i think it has to be deployed really carefully um because it could just be seen as like we're we're just using there's such a fine line between using whether it's through disability or just that she doesn't speak like a choice whatever um there's such a line fine line there between representation and sort of uh almost mechanical tokenism to a degree mm-hmm. um, that I would want to, I hope that they really think I, about it, but I'm sure they will. I, too, I, I, I think who make Dota are really smart. <laughs> yeah. Like, and people at valve and the Dota team in particular are pretty sensitive to that kind of stuff. So I Absolutely, don't think they would yeah. just be like, I'm not really worried. They wouldn't about be, it, but it'll like be flagrantly shitty. <laughs> I would hope. Yeah. yeah. It, it will definitely be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, it's a good, it's a good little trailer. She looks rad. Yes. Mm hmm. Um, I she think one of the cool shit. things that, uh, Dota manages to continue to do is like, it's, and it's why I tend to play league more, but I also respect it with Dota or one of the reasons I tend to play league more Dota characters are so like, whatever, man, she's like, got like a gi on and she punches shit and she can do some fire stuff with her punches or whatever it was in the trailer versus like league when it's like, uh, she's an, um, anthropomorphic, seal that has an apper a, a mech that uh <laughs> also ha- there's a guitar attached to the to the back of the mech and it plays sounds and it's like lead characters are always so conceptually like yeah lead characters <laughs> always so conceptually out there they're always just like what are we looking at here um versus dota characters which tend to be comparatively simple and i think it's really cool that um that that Valve has kind of maintained a more grounded approach to their character design, even if 
when I'm actually picking which which um, executable to click to click on, uh, <laughs> I go like, yeah, but but Sorry. but what if I was the squid person that has uh, a spaceship? Um, <laughs> I still think it's cool. Yeah, um, man, I don't even know. Okay, uh, unrelated but related. I tried watching some of the league. Uh, current is it LCS that's going on right now? Yeah, I find I find League really boring to watch. <laughs> it's not as interesting to watch as Dota by any means. I like playing it more because um, it's easier for me to keep up with, and so, I think that the mechanics are the 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 way the mechanics change is more interesting to me from season to season. But it's boring to watch compared. Th- to there was that, there was a, this weird. Okay, this is just totally unrelated now, but there was this weird lack of polish in the watching experience that I was like, what the fuck? Isn't league like the biggest game in the universe? Like where it was like the blue tree, the blue team has vanquished the dragon. And I'm like, you couldn't put that C nine vanquished the dragon when you're having a professional tournament that you are organizing. Like I was like, what? (laughs) Anyways, little stuff like that. I was just baffled. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, Final Fantasy 14 has made a lot of money. Um, sounds like Endwalker is cool. Those are yeah. Well, there's there's those are two long discussions we could have. It's yeah. It's yeah. It, I mean, it, I think Final Fantasy 14 has become the most successful Final Fantasy game in the entire series. So, which is great because yeah. it started as the least successful and yeah, the one I've that people thought killed of, the series. I've seen so many. Uh, on Twitter recently, like where it started and it's like people it's apologizing for final fantasy 14 to final fantasy 14 being most profitable, biggest like, it's, RPG. Like, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's carrying square and it's um, like, it's critically acclaimed. Like, like as much as it is a meme, it is also very true. Oh, it, it's um, absolutely true. Yeah. It's, it's, also it's just hilarious. In, in my, in my recent MMO wanderings, I definitely, there's a part of me that is, also, like, man, I fucking wish Final Fantasy fourteen had just been a single player JRPG because it also, from an MMO perspective, it everything it does is like stuff I don't like. I mean, <laughs> I feel I that realize, way about pretty much every MMO but, personally. But it's 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 also clearly stuff that a lot of people want. Um, like, I've come to realize that doing dungeons over and over again is like vastly uninteresting to me and that's like a core part of final fantasy 14 um and uh, but at the same time um the story is quite good and i'm glad that people really enjoy the community aspect that it being an mmo affords it um and i think uh the uh, endwalker presents an interesting point from which it can change and evolve more than maybe it ever has um after that so yeah Yeah. and i'm I'm excited to see what happens yeah yeah the other final fantasy 14 tidbit that we can jump into is that the media tour stuff happened this week for for endwalker or it happened Mm -hmm. uh a few weeks ago but the embargo lifted this week so all Mm -hmm. of this there's been a bunch of interviews and uh preview content that's come up and uh one of the coolest things is that Yoshi P, the director and producer of Final Fantasy XIV, did 36 hour-long videos and interviews with like, uh, you know, significant members of the Final Fantasy XIV community, and uh, you know, like it, it was just a really outstanding effort on his part. And 
the way he approached all those interviews was amazing. Like apparently he did not ask um, the interviewers to screen any questions. They could ask anything they wanted. Uh, and because he is both director and producer, you know, that means usually with uh, those kinds of interviews, there's a PR person in the background. that's like, Oh, you can't talk about that or whatever, but no, he sets the rules so <laughs> he can talk about whatever he wants to whatever degree. And like, he, he ain't going to get in trouble cause he, he's the one who runs it, but he's also extremely personable. Like, um, love him or hate him. Uh, the Asmund gold has been a pretty major force in the recent MMO kind of everything. What with the wow exodus we talked about months ago and everybody moving over to 14. Uh, and recently in his personal life, apparently his mother has been very ill, uh, to the point where he's had to stop everything he's doing to make sure that like, take care of her, that she's okay. And, uh, he stepped away from that to join the interview. And the very first thing that Yoshi P said in their interview was like, Hey, I heard your mom's not doing well. I hope you're okay. Is there anything like, basically, is there anything we can do to help? Like that's like, that was the first thing that he said in that interview. And it was just so humble and like humanizing it was. Yeah. So Yoshi P is a wonderful person and one he's of the like best really people in dude. the, yeah, he seemed like one of the most genuine people in the industry right now. It's great. So anyways, yeah, yeah. I wish Asmund Gold. So, I mean, it sucks about his mom. I wish he wasn't like a Trump supporter and stuff. Uh, I don't <laughs> think you feel a lot better about this. I don't think he is. He, he's, he's, he's come out. He, he's he's actively come out against Republicans uh, pretty frequently, from what I've seen. He's changed then for sure. That's pretty. Yeah. That's good to hear. Because uh, back in he used to say a lot of a lot of use of the R word, some defensive racial slurs, including yeah. use of them. So no, from, hopefully he's changed from, for the better. Yeah, from what I've seen, that's not really the case uh, anymore. Whether it was before, totally, probably. But within the past two years, it looks like no. Well, uh, <laughs> the, uh, I don't know anything about this. Best Buy locking PS5s behind a $200 paywall? Yeah, so, oh man, I don't have the story up for it, but... Um, so they put up this service, uh, and I just, just give me a second. I have to find out what it's called. Total Tech. It is a yeah. subscription service where you pay $200 a year, and it gets you things like access to Geek Squad and, like, uh, you know, like the Best Buy services. Uh, it, it, they used to have, like, that gamer service that would give you early yeah, access it, to pre-orders and stuff. Like, it, it's all that kind of wrapped up into one thing. However... There was a time, I think it was within the past week that PS5s went up for order on Best Buy's website, but people were finding that if they wanted to uh, do it, they had to sign up for a total tech subscription, which is $200 a year. So it basically locked the entire uh, pre-order process behind this paywall, which is bonkers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because that, because like that service, I mean, it does have a lot of other stuff, but I've definitely seen yeah. articles that are like, hey, if you want to get a PlayStation 5 for the holiday season, do you need to pay in a $200 for it? Which is like bananas. Yeah, um, which is in addition so to the strange. cost of the PS5. Yeah, and if like you're not going to use the rest of the services, if you're purely getting into it for a PS5, well, then Best Buy is essentially scalping you at that point <laughs> directly. Right, and it's like, I like if you. I don't know to what extent you would need unlimited 
Geek Squad support, but like if you used that, that would be I don't know, something and yeah. if you buy a lot it, of stuff it, from Big Best Buy and you like it has free shipping, free installation on stuff. So it's like if you get all of your tech from Best Buy and you buy yeah. a lot of tech, it could be maybe worth it. But like also it, if you just want the PlayStation five, it's yeah, it, it, if if you are using Best Buy for everything, it's basically like uh, what's it called, Apple Care for everything you buy, yeah. uh, and like that's like it's it's like a pretty decent warranty program, and like <coughs> that's pretty cool. But yeah, locking the ability to purchase a PlayStation Five behind it, it's a little weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, so, yeah, more Best Buy, than anything. not the most. Uh, I don't think I think they're maybe trying to keep themselves afloat. Oh yeah, because <laughs> I'm not in the most consumer friendly ways. I uh, I yeah. like I haven't gone to a Best Buy in, in quite a while because the one Best Buy that I used to go to was the one at the Mall of America and that's no longer there. So that's like I, I've kind of wondered about that just because it's like that seemed like a big store for them and that they just got rid of it. Again, though, it could have been that because I did never bought stuff there. My sibling and I just had a game where we would go to the um, bargain bins of DVDs and each pull out a DVD and compare which was the weirder one. Yeah. <laughs> and that was our that was our like idea. That was our fun game was like you can find the weirdest thing in this bargain bin of DVDs. We used to do that. Like, That's, do that that is awesome. Lots. It was very fun because uh, we could found we found some really weird shit in those bargain bins. Love but it. also like I, I bought like two things, like a few things over there by the, over the course of several years. And yeah. it was mostly stuff like, I need a new mouse. That's one for 10 bucks and, you know, stuff like that, yeah. which you don't really need a giant storefront. Yep. For, but. Well, support, support your local stores, everyone. Oh, <laughs> Speaking absolutely. of a, a giant local store, Amazon. God. Uh, new world developers new world's pr is just a total disaster um and it it it, their marketing as a whole is a total disaster there's a whole i can we don't have to get into it too hard but there there is a we have a story here that's about how server transfers were a thing that were supposedly supposed to come i thought it was supposed to come this week and they haven't but they were pretty they were pretty uh, explicit about it too Um, weren't they they were like yeah it's it's coming yeah um and i guess at some point before launch they were very explicit about like your region make sure you're on the correct region because regions cannot be transferred like that's those are like locked in and -hmm. then apparently their twitter account told someone that they can move regions I don't know why they would do that because, as oh. far as I know, that was never part of the plan. Love uh, a good rogue Twitter account, and uh, <laughs> and and so then they caught backlash for it, which is understandable and reasonable um, because uh, you cannot uh, transfer regions and probably will never be able to. Uh, so yeah, yeah. so uh, there's a lot of reports of people in like Australia that have put like 80 hours in already, and they're just like, well fuck that i was i was anticipating that we could change this but uh yeah i think it's tough because it it is one of those weird like if this were i don't need to to defend amazon at all i think if this were a smaller team a smaller developer i would have been like ah they made one mistaken tweet like i'm sorry that it affected that you that you waste quote quote unquote wasted 80 hours but it's one tweet man but 
you know, Amazon doesn't need that defense. So <laughs> whatever. Uh, yeah, it's dumb, but whatever. It'll, it'll yeah. continue uh, to exist. Maybe. <laughs> uh, what? I mean, the game itself. Yeah. I don't think they're yeah, going to shelve it anytime soon. No, no, it's, 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 it's good. I mean, it's aside again, aside from the, the absurd marketing and PR disasters that surround every part of that game and it being a, a bit of a social mess because it's Amazon and you know, all that stuff is gross yeah. and messy, but the game itself it remains a lot of fun. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a little light on content, but it's a new MMO. So welcome yeah. to new MMOs, everyone. You can play them for a couple hundred hours and then you tend to have seen everything at that point and you have to wait for new content. It turns out that just because it's an MMO does not mean that it has unlimited amounts of stuff to see from the first month. Uh, so, totally. yeah. Um, I am going to have to bounce pretty quick here, but I see that there was something, Alex, that you were said that it says here that Alex thinks is rad. Yeah. Uh, so this is something It's not news. It's not anything particularly uh insightful but you you guys are all familiar with uh, inktober right like the concept yeah. of mm-hmm. artists making a piece of art every day in october um yep. making whatever i always they want. try to do it and i never succeed <laughs> so i was i randomly found this through like on twitter like of like some friend of the pod liking something and i happened to see it and i was like what is this uh there's something called umitober which is Umineko focused. So obviously I'm going to be interested, but the way in which they're doing it is something I've never seen before. So I was looking at this one post from this, uh, account. Uh, I can post the account in the show notes if we want, but, um, and they did this really great art. And then I noticed like the name of his, like, Oh, Umitober day 15 active pain. And like day 12, I think was uh, mirage coordinator and all this stuff. And I was like, what are the ti- those titles are really familiar. What is this? And then I realized um, what they're doing is the theme of every day is a different soundtrack, uh, like bit of the soundtrack. Oh, that's so nifty. people so people can do whatever interpretation they want of either that scene or the character that it's representing or whatever based on the soundtrack. And I was like, that's a really fascinating way to do kind of a themed Inktobery kind of thing. And so I, I don't know. I just hadn't seen anything like that, and I thought it was kind of cool. So yeah, look up cool. look up look up hashtag Umitober if you want. Um, but yeah, I've I've not seen an Inktober kind of themed thing like that. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, that is. I'm cool. looking at this hashtag, and there's a lot of lot of cool art in it. People people are talented. People are really talented. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I'm like awesome. I'm like, how do you do art good? Uh, that's my question <laughs> for the day. Yeah. It's fascinating. I love it. Anyways, Umitober. Maybe keep an eye on it, but it's just I, I want to see more I themed stuff like go that. Umineko. Dude, do it. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I see it's one of those things where I know for a fact I'll love it, but I yeah. just haven't done it yet. It, it is a big barrier to entry because it's, it's a big, so long. But it's a big thing, but I'm like, I I know and, for a fact I'll I'll adore it. And you have to get past like the first two hours, which are kind of like slow and also kind of that Japanese anime bullshit of like, oh, look at her boobs. They're so big. Ho, ho. Like, There's you have to so get, much get past that. Look at my, oh my cousin's God. boobs that I was yeah. like, that's yeah. why I couldn't I, get through the opening yeah. of the anime. Once, once, <laughs> once, you get, you know, once you get past that, it's awesome. 
I've been doing. A, I've Good been reading a lot persistent. more manga recently no, no, and isn't. watching a lot more anime recently. And that really is a hurdle you need to get so, so, for good content. You're just like, so, okay, I'll just I'll I'll deal with this shitty fan service for an episode so that I can get to some good stuff. So, minor spoiler to help people get over that hurdle, perhaps the the whole oh look at her boobs thing ends up actually being a core part of the story in that that character is extremely insecure and anxious and feels like he has to act a certain way in order for people to perceive him differently. And like, they actually go into the psychology of it really well. It's, it's great. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Some, someday, someday I'll try to experience it and see for myself. Uh, but what I'm going to be seeing, experiencing for myself soon, hopefully is some breakfast, um, (laughs) virtual race cars. So, seriously i am i am very hungry yeah so let's all go let's all go eat some breakfast make some Uh, french toast or something i'm gonna i'm gonna go get some i'm not gonna name where i'm gonna get some breakfast from because i'll get a lot of heat for it and it's not something i need in my life so a mcgriddle um, you can nope uh (laughs) you can you can uh you can speculate um in my mentions about where i'm getting breakfast by finding me at PJC Plays. Um, you can find the podcast at Fix Podcasts on Twitter uh, and Gaming Fix on Twitch. Um, Allison, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at W-R-I-T-E-R-S-E-R-E-N-Y-T-Y. And I'll be having a bagel from a local family-owned bagel oh, shop. I wish because I Because I oh, am... Yeah. Because that is the type of person I am. Oh, if I had a local family-owned bagel shop as close as the place I, w- I was going, I'm going to go, I would be there as well. Well, I, I mean, I, I have them at my, at my place, but they're, they're, they're really good bagels, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Alex, where can people find you? Uh, going on some kind of little golf journey, probably. Other than that, sweet. just crying. Oh, that's <laughs> sweet. <laughs> Hopefully it's tears of joy. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Enjoying really good video <laughs> games. <laughs> okay. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. I'm not saying Andre's thing because it's disgusting. <laughs> who, who would say that? Who would who would who would who monetize would enable that? him by making art about that? <laughs> that art's really good. The art's better <laughs> even than the phrase. Oh thank you. Not that I'm I, a hater. I worked really hard on it. Yeah, he did a very good job. It was great. It was beautiful. All right. right. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Talk to you all (laughs) soon. Bye. (laughs) 